2: Get ready for winter driving at Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers with super deals on tires, including up to $200 on new Goodyear tires, plus oil changes, brakes, batteries, and more. For value and savings, click on GoToDobbs.com today. Time now for the BK and Ferrario podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.
0: Hudson is on the mound for St. Louis,
2: is returned to the big leagues, couple of starts down in the minors, and the one-two pitch, got him, caught the outside corner, swing and a miss, struck him out, four strikeouts
1: tonight for Flaherty, first time through the lineup. Yeah, did a really nice job this morning, Q was phenomenal, Yeah, both those guys to give us eight innings, um, really helps us going into tomorrow, and then with an off day.
0: Alongside Alex Ferrario and Tanner Hendrickson, I'm Brandon Kiley. It's BK and Ferrario on 101 ESPN. We will get to the punishment payoffs coming up in the 12 o'clock hour. Jeremy Rutherford is going to be our guest today. That audio courtesy of Bally Sports Midwest. <laughs> Alongside Alex and Tanner, I'm BK. All right, let's get into it. The weekend was weird for the Cardinals because on Sunday the offense looked atrocious on Saturday night offense didn't look good but they won three out of the four games that they played since we were last on the air Alex and I want to give a lot of credit to the pitching side of things because Jose Quintana was excellent I thought that was the best I've seen Dakota Hudson your boy look so far this year Dak is back boys i didn't think that montgomery was even bad yesterday i thought it was pretty good even though in the end you didn't get the results that you were looking for the starting pitching is starting to show us what we wanted to see alex the guy i want to focus on here for a moment is jose quintana because after what i saw from him on saturday and what i saw from jack Flaherty on friday i think right now your number four starter locked in is jose quintana If you were going into game one of the NLDS, I think the guy that I'm throwing out there because you don't have the off days to be able to go back to your number one starter is probably Quintana. How do you feel about that? I'm with you. I, I,
3: what we were saying about Jordan Montgomery this season was like, he hasn't had a bad game since he was acquired. And he's had a couple of struggles since he was acquired. Jose Quintana has not had a bad game as a member of the St. Louis Cardinals. And I thought that start against Cincinnati was the cherry on top of what has been his entire time with St. Louis, eight innings, six strikeouts, two hits, no walks. That was as locked in as I have seen Jose Quintana. And right now it's a battle among the other three, four guys trying to fight for playoff spots. I think the one player that is locked in for the playoffs is Jose Quintana. Now I know it's going to be difficult for him to, leapfrog over the Adam Wainwrights or the Miles Michaelis or even the Jordan Montgomery's but I would have Jose Quintana on my depth chart higher than Jack Flaherty because he has done everything to show me that he can pitch playoffs
0: is there any way that you could see Quintana above any of those guys that you mentioned though the top three is there a way for him to work himself into that top three in the rotation the reason why I ask is because we know what playoff baseball looks like typically you're gonna go five maybe you get into that sixth inning and then you go to your bullpen. You get those shut down arms at the back end of the pen into the game as quickly as you can to be able to make sure that the opposition does not get that third time through the order. Wayno maybe is a guy that'll go a little deeper than that, but that might be it in this rotation right now. All of the other guys, it's five six innings probably. And Quintana, you know exactly what you're getting out of him through five or six innings. So far in his starts with the Cardinals, he has given up two or fewer earned runs in every single one of his nine starts. And if you look at the starts that he's made so far in the month of September, now, disclaimer, come against bad opponents, Washington, Pittsburgh, and Cincinnati thus far. Yeah, but those bad opponents the other pitchers have struggled against. Totally agree. It's a fair retort. In his three starts against them, 18 and two-thirds innings, he's given up a total of two earned runs, 15 strikeouts, just one walk against him. It's an 096 ERA. Is there a way for him to work his way into your wildcard rotation? I think there is if he does
3: this on this upcoming road trip. And I don't know how many starts he's going to get. Probably two of them
0: within the Dodgers, Padres, and Brewers series that they're going to have. Looks like so far he's just scheduled for one, and but it would we'll be, see if there's any skipped starts that could up. And well, it would be Dodgers, if I'm not yeah, mistaken. First game of the Dodgers series.
3: Uh, if you do this against the Dodgers your top three for me because I have seen back-to-back-to-back struggles for Adam Wainwright. I've seen back-to-back struggles for Miles Michaelis, and I know Jordan Montgomery looked good in that start. I mean, nine strikeouts, it's hard to argue with, but it's still like he's just getting hit around a lot, and that's what makes me a little concerned, and Quintana's not getting that. So if he goes out and does this against the Dodgers, then I'm putting him in my top three.
4: Yeah, I'm with you there. If he looks good in this stretch, I think, yeah, you can go ahead and consider him as a top three guy. And part of the reason, too, and we've talked about it with, like, Jordan Montgomery, for example, is Cardinals like left-handed pitchers at home, and they will be hosting the wild-card round. So if unless it's a team that just really matches left-handed pitching, I think there's still a case to be made to where Quintana can go into your wild-card rotation and you put him in a spot of probably Miles Michaelis. I, I think he's the guy that would be the odd man out because I just don't think you can justify taking Wayno out. Even if he has struggled of the wild card rotation, but I think you can justify pulling Michaelis because of the struggles you've seen recently. So yeah, if Quintana looks good against the Dodgers and he continues to pitch well down the stretch in his final two three starts of the year, I think there's a chance that Jose Quintana will be in the wild card playoff rotation. And then I think you put Michaelis and Flaherty in your bullpen.
0: That's pretty crazy to think, though, right? <laughs> yeah. Like I- I'm not even necessarily disagreeing with you, Tanner, but. Let's go down that hypothetical scenario where you get into a three-game series and let's say it's Wayno game one, and they'll probably be able to set this stuff up by skipping starts and making it work in terms of their rotation based on their magic number. It's down to, what, nine at this point? Is that where they're at? Yeah, I think so. So they're going to have, barring something unforeseen, some time down the stretch in those two Pittsburgh series here and then on the road to be able to make things work with their rotation, set things up the right way. If you go Wayno Game One, Montgomery Game Two, and potentially Quintana Game Three in that Wild Card Round, do you even have Miles Michaelis on your Wild Card Round roster? Like that, and I know that sounds crazy, but the reason why I'm even bringing this up is because, like, if you don't have, if you don't think you're going to use him coming out of your bullpen, and you probably wouldn't, because he likely starts Game One of the NLDS, and you want him to be ready to go, man. That is a tough pill for Miles Michaelis to potentially swallow. I understand that Ollie is completely upfront with these guys. He tells them exactly what the expectations are. He's very honest with them. But trying to explain to him, to the team, to the listeners right now that are listening to this show that, hey, Miles Michaelis is not going to only not get a start in this series, but will not even pitch for the Cardinals in this series against, let's say, it's the Padres. That's a tough one to explain, I think, for some.
3: I think there was a – I wonder if there would a conversation need to be had with a Quintana and a Miles to find out, okay, what's the best way we can utilize both of you to where if one struggles, we have the other coming out of the bullpen? Who can manage that workload being a bullpen starting pitcher for us? Because – and maybe you don't need it. But if Miles gets the start in, let's say, game three of this wildcard round – and Miles starts to get if he gets hit around in the first and second, but he gets out of it unscathed. In the third, it looks like it's getting dangerous, and you go to Quintana. Can Quintana handle that load coming out of the bullpen? I think so. Or do you need those guys just to be starting pitchers? I think Quintana
0: can go into your bullpen if needed. But then the other I'm question not sure is, if
4: Michaelis can,
0: does that hurt you if you
3: win the wild card going into the next round? Well,
4: I, I think the other thing too is whoever you deem the fourth starter. So let's say they decide Michaelis is the quote unquote fourth starter. Yeah, you don't need him in the wild card round. But you'll need him in the DS. So, so you you're get not them ready gonna, for DS. So then he's definitely not going to be on the playoff roster right. because then there's no need to, if you have an injury, you can replace him with the guy that you don't view as your top four. For example, in this scenario, we're talking about Flaherty. Plus, you've got guys that can give you some length, like Palante will be in the pin for sure. I think Thompson's probably going to be in the pin for sure. Matt, oh, yeah, Matt's for sure, because I forgot about him. So. I think if if Michaels isn't in the wild card round, I think he's still a starter potentially as things play out right now. I think you just leave him off the roster, not so much because it's a tough pill to swallow because you're not going to be a starter and we don't think you belong in our pin. I think it's more of because we think we're going to start you in the NLDS and there's no need for us to really carry you for us to risk burning you in this series.
0: Yeah, I just think that's a tough thing to say to a pitcher. I, and I'm not saying you're wrong. I agree with what you're talking Especially about. Especially a
3: there. pitcher who is basically one of the big reasons for you in this position. Miles kept you afloat all season
0: long. Yeah, I think it might be a conversation where you have with Miles where you say, hey, if we use you on your usual bullpen day in the wild card round, will you be ready to go once we get to the NLDS in game number one? And that's just an honest conversation that you probably have to have with your pitcher to find out. Like, is this guy, is Miles Michaelis more valuable to the Cardinals in the wild card round coming out of the bullpen for one inning than Chris Stratton would be if you had him available for the entirety of that series whenever needed? The answer might be yes. He might be a better pitcher to have to deploy wherever you need him. I just don't know, man. I I don't know. And that's a that's a tough decision that they're going to have to make. And this is why I am so happy that we finally have arrived at the place in the schedule where these games are going to start mattering again. I understand that we're getting text right now. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line. Guys, I can't believe you're talking about the pitching. We need to discuss the offense. The pitchers are giving up less than four runs. We just can't score right now. From the 314, yesterday was maybe the most pathetic Cardinals performance I've ever attended. Just absolutely atrocious.
3: Wow. That person did not have a good weekend.
0: I, I hear you. <laughs> the last two games have not been fun to watch. They scored a run. Unearned. <laughs> it was... It was not fun to watch. I think it was a Sunday and there was NFL games on, right? I make nothing of these games. Like other than Albert Pujols hitting 698. That was a hell of a lot of fun on Friday night. And some of the like positive things, signs that we have seen from Steven, Matt, Jose Quintana, I don't really make much of the offense right now. I want to see what they look like against San Diego. I want to see what they look like against the Dodgers. I want to see what they look like against Milwaukee. Now, if this trend continues against those teams, then you start to realize, okay, they can't flip the switch the way that they did previously. But if it turns around, I think it just tells you that the Cardinals got bored and those are not the types of teams that they're going to see in the playoffs when the games really matter. So I, I can't take a whole lot away from that as in terms of what it means for your playoff aspirations.
3: I'm always surprised when people get angry when the Cardinals struggle in a series against a bunch of no-name pitchers or pitchers that are like, oh, they got like a nine ERA. And they just went out there and shoved against St. Louis. Like I used to have a joke on Cardinals pregame of like, "Uh Oh, unknown pitcher alert because a guy that the Cardinals have not seen before, or they've only seen them once. And it was this season. Those are the guys that the Cardinals offense gets eliminated by. And I don't know why
0: it was one of those biggest question marks of this team. It's now soft tossing righties. It used to be soft tossing yeah. lefties. That yeah. would be a problem for them. Now it is soft tossing but righties that have become an issue. Look
3: what they just did against Corbin Burns against Milwaukee. That's why I'm not panicking yet. Because, yeah, you can't do damage against Sesa with the Cincinnati Reds. But when Corbin Burns is on the mound, you go out there and you perform like you need to against a top level pitcher. All of the judgment of this Cardinals team, if they're a real World Series team, or if I'm out on them and they're gonna lose in the wild card round, they will be judged from this, this road trip. They will be judged from how they perform against San Diego, LA, and Milwaukee. And if you struggle in this stretch, then yeah, it's gonna be hard for me to sit here and say, this is a World Series contending team. But if you go out there and you beat up on Clevenger, and if you beat up on Snell, and if you beat up on whomever the Dodgers are gonna go throw out there, I'm not gonna sit here and be worried about the offense.
0: Are you guys surprised by how much it feels like we still have left to learn about this team? Because I'll be totally honest with you. I kind of am. I thought we had wrapped up most of the questions of who is going to start where, what is, what are the matchups present for you? I thought we had kind of put all of that into order, but with the injuries, with the struggles that we've seen from certain guys with other players stepping up, I feel like there's as much on the line over these next eight games as there really ever could be. Like th- there are pitching roles that are currently up for grabs, both in the bullpen and potentially in the rotation for the wild card round. There are pinch hitting opportunities that are up for grabs that have not been grasped by guys that could have taken them. The DA troll. I, I think it's kind of Albert pools now, which is interesting and surprising. The outfield is completely up in the air. All of the things that I thought were resolved, have now suddenly came back to the forefront.
4: Yeah, I'm with you. I feel like we have more question marks going into this road trip than I was anticipating. I figured the biggest question mark going into this road trip was going to be, you know, what the DH one kind of, can Gorman get back on track? And he didn't look great over the weekend. And then the other one was just going to be, oh, all the pitchers are pitching well, so we'll just see who looks better against these top end opponents. And now it's kind of, Okay, they're all pitching okay, except for Quintana, who's been the best guy. Who's actually going to end up getting this spot? And the bullpen still is undefined, in my opinion. Hicks going on the aisle, changes things. JoJo had a big spot over the weekend, and he kind of failed at it. So the bullpen's up in the air. I'm with you. I think there's more questions still to be answered, which is shocking, because I thought at the time that we start this road trip tomorrow— that basically you would know what the playoff lineup would look like, what the playoff bullpen rolls would be, and kind of have an idea. And probably would have been Jack competing against somebody, not the entire rotation, for a spot in the wild card round.
0: Alongside Alex and Tanner on BK, coming up at the 12 o'clock hour, we will give you the results of this week's pick 'em challenge. Uh, to put it lightly, one of us didn't do well. We'll tell you who that was coming up in the 12 o'clock hour. NFL quick hitters at 1130. (laughs) You guys can always get involved in the show at 65780. That is the air comfort service text line. But coming up next, yes, we see your text. We do need to talk about the offense and what's gone wrong for that group. We'll do so next year on 101 ESPN.
2: We're right back to the PK and Ferrario podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.
0: problem i see all of your text i hear you text line 65780 is the air comfort service tax line and the month of september here are a couple a few Notable names and what they have done so far. Alec Burleson, batting 150 with an OPS of 375. Paul DeYoung, <laughs> batting 120 with an OPS of 370. Nolan him. batting 205 with an OPS under 600. Nolan Gorman, my God, Nolan Gorman, 135 batting average and OPS under 550. He struck out almost 50% of his plate appearances so far this month. Dylan Carlson has been struggling since his return 110 batting average. And Lars Bar is batting not just below the Mendoza line. He's not even batting half of the Mendoza line hey, so peak far. Lars Nupar will show back up. Those are a problem, obviously. We know that this team, though, still has the ability to be able to come through with a big hit when it matters. Yadier Molina, God bless him. The calendar turned to September, and suddenly he's back to be in prime Yadier. Stay at the plate. with me, everyone. BKO! 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 His B-K-O. OBS this month, guys, is 970. Not bad BKO <laughs> Tommy Edmond is back to being the guy that he was at the beginning of the year He's batting 390 this month But what's he doing against Wrighties, BK? He's been great okay. I don't know what happened, but it's uh, <laughs> it's working out for him So, you've got some guys that are contributing The problem for this team, though, in my opinion, is very simple, guys The The formula ain't hard to find out They need Tommy Edmond and Brendan Donovan at the top of the lineup to get on base And those guys are both getting on base Donovan at 360 clip Edmond at a 410 clip But what has fallen back to earth lately is that Paul Goldschmidt is not playing at the same level that he was earlier in the season for the first like five months of the season. And Nolan Arenado is not hitting right now either. He's batting 203 this month with an on-base percentage below 270 and a slugging percentage below 330. That's not going to work. If this team is going to make a run in the playoffs, we know what the formula has to be. I'm not trying to put too much pressure on these two guys, but they know what's on the line for them. It's why they're the highest paid players, uh, respectively, on the team. It's why the Cardinals traded so much to be able to acquire them. It's why they are both in the MVP conversation. If Goldie and Arenado get going in this eight-game stretch, this offense is going to be fine, regardless of what happens with Lars Newtbar or Dylan Carlson or Nolan Gorman or Alec Burleson. If those two guys do not get going, then the Cardinals are going to be in trouble. And when we get to October, it's going to be the same story that it's been the last four or five years that they've gone to the playoffs. And we're going to see them get shut down by another uh, starting pitching staff. And we're going to have questions going into the offseason of, can this team get it done when the Brights are the lightest?
3: Yeah, and... Goldschmidt and Arenado are the keys to all of this. And I think Edmund being able to perform a lot better is going to be more, but you need that next guy and in all honesty. You really need that five hole hitter. And that's where it comes down to the DH spot. If Albert Pujols is going to do that, I'm still a little skeptical on the righties when it comes to the big moments, but it's Albert Pujols. But like you, you, we talked at the beginning of the season about lengthening that batting order of finding more guys who can create damage. So it's not just Goldschmidt and Arenado And you haven't had that Corey Dickerson for a little bit of time has done that. Nolan Gorman did it for a little bit. Tyler O'Neill, Dylan Carlson, all of these guys had their, their flash in the moment this season, but it hasn't sustained all season long. And when you look at the good teams like the Atlanta Braves and the LA Dodgers, and I know those are on a different tier for most people, but that's the tier you're chasing. Those guys have those, those batters beyond their big two. And that's where it really comes down to me. And, you just haven't had anybody run with that this season. And I think that's the biggest problem. So yes, Goldschmidt and Arenado have to be the leaders in that clubhouse when it comes to those big moments and keying in on offensive moments. But if you've get those two hitting and you get Donovan and Edmund getting on base and you've scored one or two runs and that's it, then you got a problem.
4: Yeah. And, and they've been lacking that five hole hitter all year long. That's why I thought they could have used another bat potentially at the deadline. I thought pitching was a bigger concern, but they could have used someone to fill that spot, and they just didn't do it. And look, I'm not concerned about Goldie and Arnado long-term yet. I think it comes down to they've got essentially 14 games left, if I'm not mistaken, to try and figure this out. And look, part of it's going to be tough to turn around a cold streak against what you're going up against mm-hmm. next in the next uh, eight games. So can they do it? Absolutely. If they go into the postseason still struggling, then I would be really concerned about where this offense is going because – I mentioned it. Goldie gets such a big leeway because he's playing at MVP level all year long. Same with Nolan Arenado. But, I mean, if they don't get it turned around once you get into postseason play, I mean, sorry to say, but I think the Cardinals could be done in just two games. Like, that that's how important they are for this offense because it is basically them or nothing because they have not established anybody to hit behind them this season, even though Albert against lefties is that, but against right-handed pitching, they don't have that guy still. And Dickerson for a little bit was that guy he hit for average, but he's not a guy that I would fear coming up at the plate to bat behind those two. The only guy that I fear is when it's against a lefty and you got Albert Pujols hitting fifth.
3: Did I say when the brights are the lightest? Yeah, I didn't want to say anything, buddy, because I was afraid you had like some type of aneurysm or something. But <laughs> Did I say that? Yeah on the air yeah i you know with all I, these people listening right i'm now? not about embarrassing you on the air oh, you're not. so
0: i was just gonna let you run with it then coming up at twelve we'll give you our uh, reveal for who decided uh to go 0-3 this week in the pick'em challenge we'll do that coming that up that person at seems
3: to always perform when the brights are the lightest <laughs>
0: yeah, always uh i do want to we, we gave you our thoughts on the offense let's hear from ollie Marmol. what where's his level of concern right now for this cardinals offense
1: There's no concern on approach. There's guys that feel good about their swing right now. There's guys that don't, and are trying to fight through it. Um, They're still wanting to be out there in order to help the team win, and they're navigating it in real time. So, um, no, if you're sitting here talking about is Newt or Donovan an approach-driven or Goldie or not, no. I mean, right now we have several guys that are – just grinding through at bats, trying to get back to feeling right. And we've seen it before. It takes uh, one pitch to get, uh to get going again. So yeah, our concern level is uh it's pretty minimal right now. That's where
0: I'm at as well. Like I, I understand if you are worried about the Cardinals offense, you have every reason to be. So they have not given you a whole lot of reasons for optimism over what would you guys say the last two and a half weeks now, basically since the Atlanta series, the teams have sucked. That's where I'm at. I just, I do wonder if there is something mentally where it is hard to get up for these games, man. And I, I know they don't want that to be the case, but it's human nature. You look on the other side of the field and you ain't going up against the best of the best. I mean, let's put it this way. The brights are not the lightest right now against these kinds of opponents. And I think you all know what I mean when I say that it's it's going to change when they go out to San Diego. This is where you are in a playoff style atmosphere. And to restate this one last time, if the Cardinals fail in this Eight game road trip or the bright's okay. are the lightest. Now now I'm out. Now I will have serious concerns going into the playoffs. Uh, T
3: Bone said it best. If they struggle on this road trip, I'm gonna look at this and say, This team's not getting out of the wild card round. And
4: and part of my and part of my concern because I agree, I think part of it could be that yeah look at across the way and who'd you play recently you know, the best team you saw is milwaukee and we can all sell them for two games and well not only that but also we can agree milwaukee's not that great a team like right now they're not even a playoff team they're close but they're not a playoff team i don't think they're that good a team so i understand the okay look across the field after coming off this awesome series against atlanta felt like a playoff series and you go against playing all these rebuilding clubs my concern though is that you fall into that funk and then you just can't find a way to just flip that switch again and that's where i think the concern comes from because i'm with you i'm not going to panic until whatever happens after this road trip after this road trip though they struggle that's where i go okay they they kind of i don't want to say shut it down but they kind of took their foot off the gas pedal and then they couldn't get back up and going again and it's at the worst possible time because then you've only got six games also against a really bad team against pittsburgh before you get into the must-win environment and that's where my concern lies
3: Right or lattice, man, take it. <laughs> You know I don't perform
0: When the brights are white Do you perform at all? Coming up in 15 minutes I'm can't not answering per, you that can't question can't perform sir. under pressure I understand <laughs> We'll you. get into some questions And answers 65780 is the air comfort Service text line If you guys have any questions For the show We'll give you our thoughts On Mizzou football Coming up in 15 minutes oh, As well They perform <laughs> when the brights Are the lightest No they don't perform In general Coming up <laughs> next though Some NFL quick hitters <laughs> Coming off of A strange Strange Week number two What was the Craziest of the Sunday comebacks in your opinion. We'll get into that next year on 101 ESPN.
2: We're right back to the BK and Ferrario Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. <laughs>
0: just mentioned this during the update. Let's start with the Buck situation. There is a suspension that has been handed down. Mike Evans has officially been suspended one game for the shoving, throwing. Oh, uh, he, he trucked him. Unnecessary roughness. Happens when you watch UFC the night before
3: He, he Derrick Henry stiff-armed him.
0: He and Marshawn Lattimore hate each other more than any two individuals in the NFL. Maybe in the history of the game. They should just play
3: on the same team
0: together. I don't know that that would go over particularly well. Why can't we be friends? Why can't we be friends? The Bucs did finally, in the regular season, defeat the Saints. It's been Tom Brady's issue the last two years. He was 0-4 in the regular season against the Saints. He won this one in New Orleans. But Alex, I gotta be honest with you, man. I left that game feeling just as... Confused by the Bucks as I was going in, he threw the ball 35 times Tom Brady did, and converted that into 190 yards. His QBR for the day, which is on a scale of 100, was 30. I I don't know what to make of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at this point. But watching Tom, whether it's be whether it be on the sideline when he's throwing the Microsoft tablet. Or if it's on the field where he just looks frustrated, or you see all of the reports that now apparently he's taking Wednesday off as a veteran day—I don't know how that works. Yeah, that sounds nice. Tom essentially gets Sundays to hey. hang out with the boys, and then during the week he's got to mm. do all the marriage counseling type of stuff. Phillip well,
3: Philip Rivers doesn't get veteran days, Tom Brady doesn't get veteran he's got days. Thirty-seven
0: kids. Ah, out that's home. what I'm saying. Although, what apparently- is going on with the Bucks? Uh,
3: honestly i i have no idea i mean i don't think i don't think the bucks have an identity anymore it no longer is oh this is tom brady's team it feels like this is nobody's team and it's just it it feels like it's just a bunch of stars that are just put together in hopes that it actually turns out to be something it feels like globo jim from dodgeball like they look great on paper but it really isn't that good t-bone doesn't get the reference tom brady looks broken like Tom Brady looks like a shell of himself. Like I don't think his I don't think his mind is in the game right now and rightfully so if he's having veteran days on Wednesdays um you've lost all of your receivers. Chris Godwin's out, you lose uh, Evans on a suspension, Julio Jones, no surprises, out with an injury. You'd lost Gronkowski for the season. Like your offensive line has been injured and continues getting injured week by week. Defense is their selling point and their defense is very good. But you ain't winning games if you're getting a 30 QBR rating. So I don't. I just don't think the Bucks look like a contending team anymore.
4: Yeah, I. I, I still got to put them in the contending tier just because the NFC's kind of stinks. If they were in the AFC, I wouldn't. Oh no, I. They might be like what Pittsburgh was last year, where it's hey, welcome, you're in the playoffs, and then we're just gonna knock you out here in the first round. But I still think they're a contending team. I think they're still the favorites in the NFC South. I think they've proved that. I said going into that game, whoever won that was going to be setting a statement. And Winston was playing through, what was it, like four broken bones in his back or something crazy like that. So I I still think they're the favorites. But, yeah, they're definitely not going to be the team that you look at and go, OK, Tom Brady is going to be the reason the Bucks win. No, it's going to be the defense that carries them yeah. this season.
0: The Bucks, for example, are a three-point favorite next week against the Packers. I think I like the Packers more than I like the Bucks. Oh, yeah. And I, I think that's going <laughs> to be a low, like the over-under for that game is 42 and a half. I think I'll oh, take yeah. the under.
3: You got two teams that have no offense other than Aaron
0: Jones and A.J. Dillon. The best wide
4: receiver on the field might be Lazard.
3: Oh, no, it will be Lazard.
4: because God was able to
3: come back. Maybe. But I thought he was, I thought it was a hammy.
0: Yeah, they, they thought he might be able to go last week. Oh. He got to, back to practice at the end of the week, I think, in a limited capacity. So he, maybe he'll be back, but yeah, I mean, it. It's at least a conversation to be had. I think the best, honestly, the best receiver is Aaron Jones. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) In that game. The other problem with Uh. Tampa Bay
3: is apparently Bruce Arians is still a coach. Yeah, what was that? He's just on the sidelines now? He's apparently starting fight clubs because he's sending guys into the game to start pushing people around. He looked
4: lost. He looked
0: lost. So that was one of the games that we witnessed over the weekend. That was not even close to the wildest ride. And that included a brawl (laughs) with two significant pieces that got thrown out of either side. What was your favorite comeback of the week? Was it the Cardinals who faced a twenty-point deficit at home and found a way, or yeah, at home and found a way to come back against the Raiders? Was it the Dolphins who faced a twenty-point deficit against the Ravens on the road and found a way to win that one? Was it who else had a jet time? The 14 Jets on
4: the Browns or thirteen, I think it was.
0: What was your favorite comeback over the weekend, Alex? Uh, personally. It was the
3: Dolphins comeback because I had a lot riding on that one, which we'll I get to you in the 12 Cardinals o'clock one. hour. Cardinals was my second favorite, but I didn't even need the Cardinals to win. I just needed the Cardinals to make it interesting. Here's the thing with the Cardinals. I fully in, in expect now the first half, Kyler Murray, to be just dog poo, and then the second half, I expect Kyler Murray to go off for three touchdowns and actually be competitive. Apparently, Call of Duty must be taking place pregame Sundays, and then halftime, they say, stop playing Call of Duty. We need you, and he focuses back on the game Hmm. but the Dolphins one was a lot more exciting because as much as I don't like some individuals on Miami because I do think Tyreek Hill is the miserable you know what as you Mm -hmm. like to call Aaron Rodgers they're still fun to watch Jalen Waddell Tyreek Hill you got a lot of speed a lot of weapons and two is just so inconsistent for me that it's like ooh, what kind of two are we going to get this week (laughs) so Miami was my fun one
4: I think my favorite was the Jets one, just because that is such a Cleveland Browns thing to do. Down <laughs> up by 13, you score. It's Jacoby. under two minutes to go. And then you let Joe, Joe freaking Flacco hey, lead Super Bowl the charge champion Joe Flacco. Man. Jerry Wilson
0: looked awesome in that game. Yeah, he did.
4: And they score a touchdown, And then you have like a 90% chance to recover an onside kick. It's like, oh. it's like a six foot putt in golf. It's easy, and then they don't recover, and Flacco leads them down the field. That's my favorite comeback. I don't care. I'm glad that the Cardinals covered for you. I'm glad Miami ended up coming back to win. You gotta be kidding me What are we doing over there Yeah for, for me
0: it was the Dolphins I mean that was just absolutely absurd What they were able to yeah. do Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddle Those two guys are night- a nightmare to go up against 190
3: yards, two touchdowns for Tyreek What did Waddle have at the end of it? He, he finished with 170, 170 and two touchdowns I
0: 19 targets on the day That offense is really fun to watch man yeah. Mike McDaniel, I told you guys I was really excited about him But I didn't know what he was going to be able to get out of Tua I still think some of what we saw is a bit of a mirage. I don't think that they're going to be able to do this consistently, but they don't necessarily have to put up 42 points consistently next week. They might against Buffalo. Like we're about to find out how real that was. They got Buffalo this upcoming week. They got Cincinnati on the road after that. If they're able to go one and one and look good in both games, the Miami dolphins might be real. And I was just too low on them coming into the season, but at a very worst, they're, they're going to be fun to watch, and that is not necessarily something we could say about the Dolphins over the last few well, seasons. It's just that they got
3: to figure out their defense. If they can figure out their defense, I'd start believing in them a lot more.
4: Baltimore needs to go back and learn what uh, a yeah. prevent coverage is because <sighs> allowing Tyreek behind just not prevent defense. I think, I
3: think Baltimore just assumed, oh, Lamar will get the ball back and he'll uh, go on a run, but he didn't take time into consideration there. I think they there. thought
4: to throw it that far.
0: <laughs> Probably. Not, not a lefty. It's possible. All right, final thing to get to here. Two teams that have... Been crazy disappointing so far this season. Are the Broncos one and one now? They they won this week, but did they though?
4: Russ was not impressive. <laughs> did
0: they win? Nothing about that team was impressive. Sixteen to nine at home against the Houston Texans. The Broncos got the victory. The team that did not win though and is now 0-1 and one on the season is the Indianapolis Colts. <laughs> Guys, if I set the over under at tell you. one in terms of Frank Reich. And Nathaniel Hackett being back after this season, would shake the over or the under? Do you think that both of those guys will be back with their respective no. teams next year?
3: No. I think Hackett will because they're going to give him a little more quote-unquote leeway. I think Reich is going to be gone. I mean, you've gone through three separate quarterbacks with him and none of them have worked out. You have an incredible defense. You have one of the best offensive players in the game in Jonathan Taylor. Michael Pittman's a stud and you still can't find way. You got shut out by the Jacksonville Jaguars. It took one week for us, who were, we were on board in preseason, yep. we got off of that bus say, immediately. I heard they
4: were winning like eight games. We
3: jumped off that bus after week one, and then they go put twenty four up on them. Yeah, Reich's going to be gone after this season. I don't know if he finishes the season.
4: Yeah, I mean it's certainly a possibility. I, I, I will say that one could like be like, oh, and it's the one that I agree with, Alex. I can't see Denver just letting go of Hackett after the first year. Unless they end up winning like five games. If that's the case, yeah, he's going to be out of there. But I, I just don't see that. There's too much talent for them to be better than just a 5-1 team. I, I think Wright is in serious danger of losing his job because they are 0-2 or excuse me oh one and one should be 0 and two uh th- and then they've got uh kansas city this week that's a loss so they're looking at 0 three now part of the thing that they may say now is that they were dealing with injuries Pittman was out uh, leonard was out this week which hurts them but come on it's still jacksonville you gotta at least show up and you didn't show up as you mentioned third quarterback i think if they don't turn this thing around i think frank reich's gone as of this
0: morning, if you're looking at the first coach fired on yeah, rule. It's got to be. Gotta be oh, Mike yeah. McCarthy's still the favorite. Oh. At that's... plus 350. Even
3: with Cooper Rush's one with a backup.
0: Uh, yeah. Uh, Matt Rule is next, though. You guys were close at plus 375. So you bet 100 bucks. You could win 375 bucks. Maybe
3: Dallas should stop talking about Mike McCarthy and start talking about Dak
0: Prescott. Cliff Kingsbury oh. is at 5-1 to one and Frank Reich is at 9-1. to one.
3: Oh, yeah. Cliff Kingsbury. He
0: might be fired by the end of the season, too. Uh, Frank Reich, I, I have always considered to be a good coach.
4: What do you call that yesterday?
0: (laughs) 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 you got coached by Doug Peterson in Jacksonville, man. I don't know what to do with what we're watching with the Colts right now. Like, I think Matt Ryan still had something left in the tank, but you certainly wouldn't know it if you were watching the Colts games right now. And there's
3: no way one defensive player with Leonard is that impactful of a team. No. There's
0: no way. And the offense, like, where is Jonathan Taylor at? So far on the season, he's been... Like a disappearing act in the first half of their first game, and then yesterday, I think he finished with like 50 yards rushing in, yeah. on the day. Are they
3: are they giving him the ball a lot though? Because I feel like they're throwing more with
0: Matt Ryan than what they've been in the past. So it was weird. Yesterday he finished with nine carries, but yeah. they were down so early and so fast that I guess you yeah. have to get out of your game plan. But still, I think my issue is at some point you gotta. Like if you're going to be that team and you're going to invest that much into your offensive line and your running back run, you have to run the football, especially when yesterday you had no wide receivers. Michael Pittman wasn't even there. You have nobody to throw to. What did you think the game plan should be going into that one? I could have told you you should run the hell out of the football. And yet they don't decide to do that. So I'm very worried about the Colts. I have them with I think coming into the season. The second best record was my projection for them in the AFC because they've got an easy schedule and an easy division. They're not making the playoffs. We
4: we did a thing uh, right before the season started where we went, what's the best value bet for the over under their win total? Mm-hmm. I think theirs was set at like nine, maybe. And I said, take the over. That's like easy change. I'm sorry if you listen to me because I'm not sure they're getting to that. I mean, they are, they are in serious trouble. And the scary part, for not scary part, but the most disappointing part about it is. If you're Frank right, sure, yeah, you're missing some weapons. That's back-to-back years in games that were kind of important. I know it's only week two, but that's a game that gets you out. No team in the expanded playoff era has reached the playoffs, and it's only been two or three years, but has it reached the playoffs when they start 0-2? And, and then you also take a look at the... Uh, I see you guys whispering.
3: It's pretty only modern. been one year. Sorry, yeah. I'm sorry. I don't know how long you've been
0: watching the game. Only but 10%, though, even in the previous uh, era, when exactly. if you expand it. It would have made last, last year. Decade. Last hey. year,
4: you don't show up in a game. All you gotta do is you just gotta win against a team that had Urban Meyer already fired, uh-huh. and you make the playoffs, and he didn't show up.
0: So. It was rough. It was rough. There was nothing that was encouraging about that performance by the Indianapolis Colts. Could've they look been. very Bryce Young ready. Coming oh, up in 15 yippee. minutes, Adam Wainwright sure sounds like a player with an eye on 2023. We'll let you hear some of his comments that he made to the St. Louis Post-Dispatch over the weekend. We'll do that coming up at noon. Questions and answers, though, coming up next year on 101 ESPN.
2: We're right back to the P.K. and Ferrario podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. You've got questions. We may have the answers. Maybe text now to 65780. It's P.K. and Ferrario's questions and answers on 101 ESPN.
0: Service X Live for questions and answers. Let's start with this. We'll get it out of the way from the three, one, four. Hey guys, if you put Mizzou, Missouri state, Illinois, Kansas, and Kansas state into a field, which of those teams would be the worst? And why do I think it would be Mizzou? It would be be
3: absolutely be Mizzou. They lost to Kansas state. Kansas is a better team than them. Heck Illinois is a better team than them. Mizzou would be the worst. I think I'm officially out. I think I'm officially out. Oh, oh, you think. I'm out. Kansas Kansas is actually pretty good. I had to listen to a head coach say that we're trying to figure out best ways to utilize our punt returners when the best player that you
0: recruited was a punt returner, and and they finally used him, and 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 the punt return looked good. Guess what happened? His first one. was. They had more, Alex, on Saturday, they had more punt return yards than they had... In the entire 2021 season
3: I I think that tells me I should be out on the head coach right right now Let me say this
0: one more time Luther Burden on Saturday In his first game as Missouri's punt returner had more punt return yards than Missouri as a team had in the entire 2021 season. And that punt returner from last year was the guy that was starting for you in the first two yeah. games of this season. And I you, Make
3: it make sense. So- somebody, please. You spent all of the training camp well, to be like, oh, hey, we're not really, it's a competition for punt returns. Drink. No, it's
4: not. Drink just wanted Burns, just dip the toe in the water a little bit Jeez. before he cannonballed in.
0: He also is apparently looking for his starting offensive line four huh. games into the season. Aren't we all? Said after the game on Saturday, yeah, we're going to have to reevaluate what our best starting five looks like up front.
4: You know, I'm Whoa. just going to say it. Uh, before you start conference play, that's not the words I want to hear.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's Auburn this week. Like- and they just... They just switched their Georgia
3: game to uh, 6.30 yeah, in the evening on the SEC.
4: Oh, why are we wasting our time? Can't the wait to watch that, that
3: 85 to, that to
0: nothing final score. For anybody that is new listening to this show, this isn't just like a bunch of Illinois fans talking about Mizzou. I went to Mizzou. That is my school. I cover Mizzou online. Like, I'm an Illinois squad. fan. That's a
4: garbage game you're seeing over there in Columbia. I optimistic
0: about this team going into the season. I'm Kansas now. I-, I don't know how you can possibly say that they're going to win more than four games. Mm-hmm. I-, I really don't. I mean... They've got New Mexico State later on this season. That will be a win. And don't talk pessimistically, that'll be a win.
4: Yeah, they're 0-4. They lost to like US or New Hawaii Mexico State or is like legitimately
0: that. one of the five worst teams in the country. Huh? I think Missouri might be in that category. No, get out of here.
2: <laughs> I think
0: I think we've got to figure out what our offensive line is. I think Missouri will beat Vanderbilt. <laughs> Yeah, that might be a lot closer than I, I thought they originally. Have beat, uh, I, I, third... think they,
4: I think they got a shot this weekend. I think they got a shot.
0: Uh, at Auburn? Auburn's no. terrible. Missouri. Missouri's Dude. ineligible Auburn to win on the is road. Bad. Dude, it's is bad. Eli Drinkwitz is 2-10 on the road. They just said care. they don't know what Auburn's their offensive bad. line is.
4: You watched Auburn this weekend, right? D-
0: did you watch Mizzou? <laughs> Abilene Christian's no, playing bad. Abilene Christian. Yeah. They should have won. Exactly. <laughs> Buy more. <laughs> this was the fewest points that Missouri has scored against an FCS opponent this century. It was also, I believe, the most points that they have allowed against an FCS opponent this century. Also
4: a garbage time.
0: Or like third most, maybe. Uh, it's it, it. was the smallest margin of victory that they've had in such a game so far since 2000. Uh, this is this is really bad, and I don't really want to spend any more time on it Wait. because it makes me sad. <laughs> when
3: they
4: beat Auburn,
0: you want to kill the bone, Hey, yeah.
3: you want to kill the bone? I'll find the bolt and hold on, because T Bone obviously doesn't have it pulled up.
4: No, I I definitely don't. I'm actually happy because it was kind of bad. What? (laughs) (laughs) All right. I Illinois has Northwestern as their like rivalry at like the end of the season. One, Eh, not really a rivalry. I I hate Missouri much more than I
0: hate Northwestern. Six five seven eight zero is Air cover Service Exxon. By the way, Northwestern stinks. did You see what they did over the weekend? Yeah, (laughs) they they lost against to (laughs) (laughs) SIUC. Yeah, that shouldn't happen. All right, uh, this one comes from the three one four. Hey guys, what's going on with Joe Burrow? Does he is he now bad? Should draft to the left tackle for him. One of the things that I was worried about going into this season was the notion that we got too high too quickly on the Bengals. You guys remember last year, the Bengals weren't some world beater in the regular season. At the end of the season, they got hot. It kind of reminded me of those Giants runs from like 07 and then 2011, where the Giants put everything together Eli Manning made just enough plays in the playoffs and that defense made a bunch of plays in the playoffs. And they were able to ride that to a Super Bowl victory. That's kind of what the Giants did last year. You look at what they did in the playoffs, 26 points against Las Vegas, 19 against Tennessee, 27 in overtime against Kansas City, and then 20 in the Super Bowl against L.A. The offense wasn't really the primary reason why they were winning those games. It was the defense. The offense in the beginning of last season didn't look very good. They struggled out of the gates. Joe Burrow's awesome. He's a really, really good quarterback. He is not right now on the same level as Patrick Mahomes or Justin Herbert or Josh Allen. Those guys are better than him so far. He also has a propensity to take a lot of sacks. I don't think all of this is on the offensive line. I think some of this is just when you have Joe Burrow as your quarterback, kind of like when you have Russell Wilson as your quarterback, it's going to make your offensive line look worse than it actually is.
4: I will say this, though. I thought the offensive line was really bad yesterday. I saw one play where Collins blocked air and – you're not supposed to do that you're supposed to block a person so that was an RPO (laughs) though you're supposed to
0: leave that guy unblocked and Joe Burrow's supposed to be able to read that and he didn't I I
4: I agree with you though I do think Burrow's not in that conversation of those top tier quarterbacks I think part of the sacks part of the sack issue is on him I'm not going to put a fully on him I do think part of it is because the O-line has not been at the level it's supposed to be at but he is in that tier too am I worried about him I'm just worried about his body breaking at this point because of all the sacks he's taking but I, I think he'll be fine I think Cincinnati will turn this around, but we'll be in time enough to kind of recover from this 0-2 start. That I kind of have a fear upon because the Dallas defense is really good. I know that Dallas, they should have won that game because it was Cooper Rush. That's a really good defense that Dallas has. So seeing them get on, get pressure on Joe Burrow, make that game closer than it truly or what it should have been on paper makes some sense to me. So I'm a little concerned.
3: I just feel like Joe Burrow is the same conversation that we had with Josh Allen in his first couple of years. It was just it looked awful all the time. And you're like, this guy's never going to get it. And I feel like at some point, Joe Burrow is going to click for him. Last year was probably like cloud nine where everything felt so easy. And this is going to be the smack down to earth for him. And I would imagine by the middle of this season, it's going to start looking
0: better than what it is right now. I I think it'll get better. I just don't think that they're the team that a lot of people expected them to be coming into this. They're not going
3: to be like a a, a nine or ten win team. They're not going to become like this legacy team where every year you're talking about Cincinnati running away with it. They're going to have to compete, but that's the conference that they're in right now.
0: Yeah, that definitely hurts them as well. And
3: if he was in the NFC, I think we'd be talking a lot differently about Joe Burrow. I just am not sure how good the Bengals are right now. I think they're just an okay team. Their defense took a hit, too. Didn't a lot of their defensive players leave after they this lost season? a few of them, yeah. yeah. It, it, I mean, I, I know that's not the solid sword. unit, yeah. but... It comes down to the offensive line. I mean, it's it's... In Eli, it's Eli Drinkwitz. Hey,
0: we don't know who our starting five is right now. Coming up in 15 minutes, we'll play a game of in or out. Six five seven eight zero zero, covered service X line. If you guys have any scenarios for us, we'll tell you if we're in or out coming out of the sports weekend. But next, Adam Wainwright made some interesting comments over the weekend to the St. Louis Post-Dispatch, specifically with Rick Hummel. I think they show that his eye is indeed on 2023 and a return. We'll talk about that next here on 101 ESPN.
2: We're right back to the PK and Ferrario podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.
0: So is Adam Wainwright going to be back next year or not? It's a question we've been asking all season long. But as I read this piece over on the St. Louis Post-Dispatch from the weekend and some comments to Rick Hummel, I thought to myself, okay, yeah, I'm pretty certain, Alex, that Adam Wainwright is going to be back. Yeah, he backed. So he was asked about getting to 200 wins and whether or not that matters for him. And to sum up his response, he basically said, no, I think I'm the same pitcher if I get 199 wins versus 200 wins and people are going to vote me into the Hall of Fame or not vote me into the Hall of Fame regardless. I think he might be wrong on that, even though I agree with what his ultimate conclusion is. Adam Wainwright wasn't any better or worse of a pitcher because at one point in his career, he lost one game that he could have won or he didn't get a decision in a game where he otherwise maybe could have. And that was uh, the difference between him getting in or not. I, I don't necessarily view it that way, but some voters might. What he did say, though, that I found interesting was this. A number that I would play for next year would be Jesse Haynes. And here's what he said. He said said, uh, Haynes won 210 games as a Cardinal, second to Bob Gibson's 251 in club history. Quote, that, getting to 210 wins, would be the number that I would be chasing. Just for my own personal val- validation, he's in the Hall of Fame. That would be meaningful for me. In other words, he's given some consideration to this. He's thought about what would be the carrot. Carrot to come back next season. And there's a few of them, right? A, the Cardinals should be pretty good. B, he's still pitching incredibly well. So why walk away when you still clearly have something left to give? And then C, there's a number out there that's meaningful to him. Just as 700 is meaningful to Albert pools and all of us watching 210 would be meaningful to Adam Wainwright. And with the way that he's pitching, It's not crazy to believe that he could win 15 plus games next year. That's definitely within the realm of the possible. So when you think about that, you hear these comments from Adam Wainwright, Alex, where did your head go in terms of the possibility of him being back next year?
3: He's coming back because every time, every time a pro athlete that I've heard talked about, you know, retiring and walking away from the game they want to walk away from the game on their own terms, and they want to walk away from the game knowing that they left Every, you know, they, they left everything on the field. They're done. They don't need to take that with them into their retirement life. And it sounds like that if Adam were to walk into the sunset this offseason, he's going to be thinking about, man, I could have got to that Jesse Haynes number. I could have hit 210. And Adam is a determined individual. We know that about him. If he sets his sights on something, he's going to find a way to get it done. I just don't foresee an individual like Adam Wainwright who's sitting there saying like, if I'm playing for a number, it's this number. That means you've talked about it. That means internally you've thought about it. That means you spoke to your family about it of like, man, wouldn't it be cool if I was able to accomplish this and end my career on this note. And if you're having these conversations, it's going to be really hard to say, ah, you know what? I just think I'm going to end my career, especially if you finish the season pitching well in the playoffs, knowing that you're that much closer by the end of the regular season to two two 200, 210. I, I think he's coming back.
4: Yeah, I'm with both of you guys. The fact of the matter that he mentioned a number that's besides 200 mentioning 210 with Jesse Haynes really convinced me that he's definitely had those conversations about coming back. And honestly, I never thought he wouldn't come back. And part of the reason for that is because he just really hasn't given off any like signs of this is my final year like yeah you could see it and one he announced it but two you what could gave it see it away it. Him yeah, going two, to puerto rico yeah <laughs> that was kind of the sign that told me he might be done at the end of the year if he hadn't already announced it but you can always tell like some guys like look at tom brady for example i know he hasn't said he's gonna retire but you see all the signs it looks like this is the final year for tom brady adam wainwright hasn't had really any of those moments there's never been a moment where i'm like yeah he doesn't really want to be here he's just kind of playing it out to the end of his time this season He always seems like the guy that still has a competitive spirit, has a goal in mind that he still wants to go after and go and achieve. And I've never really had any second thoughts that he may not be coming back. I think it's more my question of will the Cardinals bring him back than it is will Adam Wainwright be back.
0: When you look at what he's done since the start of the 2020 season, Adam Wainwright is second in the National League in innings pitched. The only guy that's in front of him is Sandy Alcantara. Adam Wainwright has pitched 450 innings since the start of the 2020 season. Sandy Alcantara is at 460. If you look at his ERA among National League starters since the start of the 2020 season, Adam Wainwright is 14th. He is right above guys like Freddie Peralta, Zach Gallen, Joe Musgrove, Hugh Darvish. I mean, there's some good pitchers that are behind him on this list. Charlie Morton, Pablo Lopez, Kyle Wright, Aaron Nola. Adam Wainwright has been one of the more productive National League starters over the last three seasons now. And when you're in that spot, you're not slowing down because this year you're at a 3.29 ERA on the season. You're going to probably finish with, if not at, close to 200 innings. I can't imagine. I think it's just him and Alcantara, if I'm not mistaken, that I've thrown 200 innings each of the last two seasons. I mean, that is that is a rarefied error. And when you can do that at the back end of your career, it almost it's different because he didn't reach the same heights as this individual that I'm about to mention. But it kind of reminds me of the Kurt Warner Career where he was so excellent starting out here in St. Louis, the greatest show on turf. I don't need you to give you guys the history. You remember what that was like. And then there was that midpoint where injuries started becoming a problem for him. He was a backup in New York there for a while. And then he gets his second shot in Arizona and takes another team to the world series kind of feels like what we're witnessing right now with Adam Wainwright, where he was so damn good early in his career, the injuries derailed things kind of in the middle, and then he's able to have this late career renaissance, and if he does it again next season, and you've got potentially four straight years of a sub 3-5 ERA, and he does get to let's call it like 207, 208 wins, maybe even gets to that 210 number. I, I think there's a really strong case to be made that he ends up becoming a Hall of Famer as a result of that, and even if he's not saying publicly that that matters to him, I mean, how could it not imagine if you're doing something that you deem yourself to be really freaking good at and you have a chance to do it for one more year. And that might be the thing that puts you into this category with the all time greats. You are now talked about with the best of the best to ever do what you did. I think that's got to be something that weighs heavily in your decision making process.
3: Yeah, I I mean, for me, I already feel like he is a Hall of Famer, but I obviously know that the voters. Did I say that Kurt Warner played in
0: the World Series? Yeah. Yeah. Man.
3: Hey, man. It's the, been bright, a day. the brights are the lightest right now. It's all right. It's all right.
4: Uh, I, I, Should we turn the lights off? Would it make yeah. <laughs> Close <laughs> the hey, curtain. is the sun
3: glaring <laughs> in here too much right now on you? I, 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 I think he's already such there. He's
4: <laughs> yeah, You're there. And then you said the World Series. I was like, eh. When you get
3: on a roll, that's the problem. Your mind goes elsewhere with it. I just think it's a matter of solidifying the people that are going to only look at the numbers with Adam Wainwright, because some people will look at what he has done throughout his career and say, you know what? The guy's a hall of famer, but then there are others that was like, ah, we didn't get 200 wins. So he's not there. So I think that's going to play heavily into this one. But I also, you tie this into, to uh build comments that we talked about last week. Like, If he's coming back, he's not going anywhere else. And I know people are like, oh, he could go back to Atlanta. No, if he's coming back, he's going to do it with the Cardinals because of what he said. If you're chasing one guy who has a certain amount of starts for one team, that's what you're looking at. You're looking all about that. You want to be on that list. And I think that's going to be the drive. If he would have just ended his comments with Rick and said, "Ah, you know what? Those are just numbers. I am who I am. I would have said he's probably retiring. He's going to go out on top. But because he brought up Jesse Haynes, and now that you're talking Hall of Fame, yeah, I think we're talking Adam Wainwright being a Cardinals pitcher next year.
4: Yeah, I'm, I'm with you there. Pitching I, in the Stanley Cup. Yeah. I think he's going to the Super Bowl. I, probably going I, to the PGA uh, Tour. Yeah. I don't know of any other championships to bring NBA. up. Oh, he's going to win in March. World Cup. He's going to go get the March Madness Trophy. He's NCAA probably going to go try and get a
3: gold medal out in
0: uh, Beijing. Yeah. Oh, it's been a day they already. Coming up games. in 15 minutes. Speaking of tough probably days, probably the triple crown with his horses. One of the three of go. us went 0 3 over the weekend with our picks for the football weekend. That was. Well, who that know, was. Who that individual was coming up in 15 <laughs> minutes. But next, in or out, including in or out, you would give back the 700th home run ball without asking the Cardinals for anything in return. Talk about it next. You're on 101 ESPN. <laughs>
2: We're right back to the BK and Ferrario podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Come on, man. Are you in or are you out? It's in or out with BK and Ferrario.
0: Five seven eight zero is the air comfort (laughs) service next time for in or out. Alex had too many Marlboros over the weekend. What can I say? What can I say, sweetheart? (laughs) Coming up in 15 minutes. So how'd the first punishment go for T-Bone? We'll get his thoughts in a uh, post-punishment press conference (laughs) in 15 minutes. We will also reveal the loser for this week's picks. That's coming up. Stay tuned for that at 1230. But right now, let's play a game of in or out. Let's start with this one. In or out, guys. Mentioned this before the break. You would give back pools his 700th home run ball to the Cardinals without asking for anything in return. <laughs> out. <Ow. laughs> Are you kidding me? Did you hear the girl that caught 698 this weekend? Yeah, that was yeah, really that ball, awesome. That ball means nothing. That was really awesome though. But I'm still uh Yeah, good for her and I wish out. her nothing but the best. You better be handing me like green seats for next season. I'm asking oh, no, for I'm signed
3: memorabilia. I was thinking 697 of the story where Pujols gave it to her. I didn't hear the story no, of the 698. No, that cool. What so was 698? The lady
0: that caught 698, Alexa Dat, was able to catch up with her. And she said, all I would need in return is a handshake from Albert Pujols. Yeah. I said, ma'am, like God that. bless you. You are a much better person than I am because I'm not giving that back w- unless the Cardinals are ready to play ball. I would call them and say, time to negotiate. <laughs> let's see what oh, we yeah. can get
3: down here. Oh, I'm going to be John Moselock sitting in a conference room like, let's
0: do this. We're, we're contract negotiating here, and there's like there's only so much that you can do for 698 because it's not the same yeah. significance. But 697 and 700, oh yeah, right. yeah, you better uh, believe. I'm it. at
3: least getting BT's green seats out of this.
4: Uh, yeah, for sure. I, I'm out on this as well. I definitely would be asking for something. Honestly, what I would probably want is I would want like autographs from the five Hall of Famers that are on the field. I would want an autograph be from cool Goldie Arnado, Yadi, Bueno and then Albert, and then mine's a dollar sign. Dollars? Oh, or I
3: just a- wanted a sign that had a dollar. No, there's a price. Oh, I'm that jerk. <laughs>
4: yeah,
0: I hope you don't. You're, you're trying 100. to sell it back to the Cardinals? I don't think they would buy it from you. I think yeah. they would give you stuff from the teams. Like if you wanted tickets, you could get those to all of the playoff games potentially. Like maybe you are able to get a season ticket out of it, um a memorabilia I don't know or what I'd have autograph. But like autograph. a season, but like, get-
3: a, but like a season ticket's gonna last me one year. If
0: I have that ball, that's gonna last me forever. Okay. Alex is the jerk that is not I giving just, it back regardless I of the press. I just said price. I'm the jerk.
3: No, I will. It's just we gotta find a good deal somewhere. Yeah, I mean
0: they're not. I don't think they would pay. No, for they it.
3: wouldn't. Someone would.
0: Okay. <laughs> Six five Keep seven up. eight zero. Oh, the Air Comfort <laughs> Service next <laughs> Line for In or Out, guys. In or Out. The Vikings win tonight. Win eleven or more games this year, and win the NFC North this year. Damn! What a um, parlay.
3: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're winning. This the, is an Alex parlay yeah. right here. Well, I think they're winning the NFC North. Like, let's go through this real quick. I think they'll win tonight. You got the Lions, you
0: got the Saints, you got the Bears, Dolphins. If you think they're winning tonight? You probably think they're winning eleven games.
4: Yeah,
3: because I don't think the, I think they'll struggle against the Bills. I think at some point the the uh, Lions are going to give you a tough go, and so will the Packers. I think they get to eleven wins. Yeah, I'm I'm uh, I'm in on all of these.
0: Uh,
3: Wait, what are we playing? Yeah, in. Yeah, in or out? Yeah, I'm in on all of these. Make the game as easy as possible. <laughs> Well, I was I thinking think, more about the
4: 700 ball. I mean, if they're getting, if they're get, yeah, you saw the dollar signs. In the yeah, I'm, thinking, I'm thinking how much
3: money I could get from my kids here.
4: Um, I, I think I'm in on this. I I can't believe I'm saying this. It ain't going to be because of Kirk Cousins, so you can save your text there, Vikings fans. Uh, but
3: <laughs> Yeah, it's going to be the other players. It's going
4: to be Justin Jefferson, who's maybe the best skilled position player in football now. they got a really good defense, and Green Bay's taking a step back. I don't, I don't think Green Bay's won in 11 games, so if you're gonna win 11 games you're gonna win the nfc north and then I, I truly think they beat philadelphia tonight so i'm in
0: yeah i'm in on all of this i think they win 11 games i think they win tonight and i think they win their division so we're all on the same page which means that the vikings are probably losing tonight not winning 11 games and that the packers are gonna win the nfc Stay with me bko 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 in or out, guys. The Jaguars are a legitimate threat to win the AFC South ow, this year. Ow. <laughs> out, 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 you out, out. Watch the rest of that division. Yeah, hey, I know that division stinks, but what? I, I don't trust Trevor Lawrence in that. Team. Jags, Texans, Colts, and Titans. The hey, Jags are currently in first place at one. Lovey Smith is going to have five
3: ties by the end of this season. He was playing for a tie again yesterday. I actually think the, I, I'm uh, in on this. Actually, I, I actually think the Titans are going to be better than what we saw after Week One.
4: I know they might get destroyed tonight by Buffalo.
3: No, I need Derrick Henry to go off so I can beat up on Rocchio.
4: I, I I'm out though. I what was? Who do the, you have winning the division? Then it ain't the Colts. I think it might be Tennessee. I almost I'm, if you told me to like put them in order of one through four, how I would feel and like confidence in terms of them winning the division right now. And I can't believe I'm back to this point. I'd go Tennessee one, Indy two, Jacksonville three, Houston four. Say I don't, that I don't, again.
3: I don't trust Tennessee Indy then Jacksonville. Yeah, I don't trust Jacksonville. They just shut
4: out the Colts. I,
3: I don't know Good how you can them. watch that
0: game yesterday and then say to yourself, "Yeah, the Colts are a better team." Here. I don't <laughs> think Jackson.
4: I don't think Jacksonville's winning. What was the number we said the preseason? I know seven, we put a six pack on it. I don't think they're winning seven. I I'm would still go. With that.
3: I would go Tennessee, Jacksonville. Colts Texans. I think the Tennessee Titans are just going to be one or two games better than Jacksonville.
0: I think you could win seven games and that might be enough to win this division. Is this the that, new NFC East? Yes. That, that's why I think that there's a chance that the Jaguars still win the division. It's not because I'm high on the Jags it's because of how low I am on the rest of this division. I think they all go below their win total potentially outside of the Jags and that opens things up for Jacksonville to win the AFC South. Maybe that's where I'm at on this thing, man. It's it is a disastrous division. In or out, the Cardinals should sign Tyler O'Neal to an extension after the season. <laughs> I think uh, you, it, the, the price is never going to be lower. Yeah, but do you trust... His results won't I be was just either, saying, Do you yeah. trust
3: the results to go up no. from there? Because I don't... No, I wouldn't. If I'm going to give an extension, I've said it. I'm looking at Jordan Walker.
4: Yeah, I'm, I'm out on this. Extensions, no. Nobody should be putting pen to paper this, this summer on an hey. extension. So, I'm out. Especially O'Neal. I mean, he's just too inconsistent and he's going to deal with injuries throughout his career as we thought was going to be the case coming into the year how healthy could he truly be and the answer's been not healthy enough and he hasn't been consistent enough so no way
0: I couldn't be more out on this (laughs) I said before last season I was in and
3: hey I did too you're not the only one I was all for signing him to an extension I've
0: learned my lesson BK don't sign head. these unless you are absolutely certain, which means the only guy that you should do this for this offseason is oh, Jordan those, Walker. Oh, yep. okay. Six five seven yes. eight. 5, yes. service, X line for in or out. Guys, in or out, it's worth it to put a futures bet today on Tua Tungavailoa to win the MVP. Out. I wonder what his odds are today over on FanDuel. I'll say Check he's that top out. 10. I don't think he's top 5. I will. Yeah, <laughs>
4: well, well. Mahomes Allen will be up there.
0: I think think Jackson's still going to be up there. Allen's the favorite. Mahomes is next at four and a half to one. Herbert at ten to one. I forgot about Herbert. Yeah. Lamar at twelve. Rodgers and Jalen Hurts at seventeen to one. Tua is at eighteen to one right now.
4: I actually don't mind. I would say that if you want to do a bet on that and go really big value like that, I'd say in on that. Now, granted, does that mean I think he's like one of the best quarterbacks in the league? No, but. If he's just average, he can get away with being average and his numbers really take a big spike because of the weapons they have in Miami. So, is it worth it? Sure, I think so. I think they have the chance to, I don't think they beat out Buffalo, but I think they got a shot to contend with Buffalo for the AFC
0: East. I think I would still go Kirk Cousins 23 to 1. I think I would do Cousins over over Tua. Yeah.
1: Because I think he's got a better play category.
0: And the reason why you would take Tua is because of Tyreek and Jalen Waddle. Right. I think Tua plays in a tougher division and a tougher conference. Cousins has the potential to do similar things, but with one wide receiver getting the majority of that yardage, and people will be surprised by the Vikings doing it this year. So I think Cousins would be mine because it has better odds.
4: Yeah, I think he'll get hurt by the fact that he's in the NFC. Because if Tua ends Maybe. up leading the Dolphins to, like I said, get close to Buffalo. People will say, "Wow, look what he did in an AFC." While well, you look at Cousins, you go, "Okay, sure, Minnesota exceeded expectations, but look at the rest of the conference. It's not what any. Actually, it's probably what people thought, and it's kind of just
0: not very good." Six five seven eight zero is the Air Comfort Service text line, guys. In or out, it will end up being the Phillies that miss out on the playoffs, with the Braves, the Padres, and the Brewers as the wild card teams. Out. I still
3: say the Brewers miss.
0: I think the Brewers are going to be the ones that are out looking in. Let's See what the Phillies upcoming schedule looks like. I think they were the toughest, right? They do have a pretty tough schedule down the stretch. Actually, they've got two coming up uh, this week against Toronto at home. Then they've got four after that at home against Atlanta. They travel to Chicago and those games can always get wonky down the stretch, especially in w- Wrigley. Got four more against Washington. So that should be easy. But then they finish out the season with three at Houston. That is a tough schedule. So you got Toronto, Atlanta, three games at Wrigley, and three at Houston as well.
4: Milwaukee's a lot easier. I got there in front of me. They're starting a three-game set home against the Mets, then four in Cincy, two at home against the Cardinals, three or four excuse four at home, excuse me, against
0: Miami, then three home against Arizona. I think Milwaukee might end up getting in just by virtue of their schedule. I mean, even for San Diego, these three coming up that we know of against the Cardinals, that's going to be a big series for them. They've got three more still against the Dodgers, and then they finish out the season. I know they're not very good, but against the Giants as well. I might be in on this. I didn't expect myself to say that. I think that the Phillies are better than the Brewers, but I'll go ahead and say in. I think that it ends up being the Braves, Padres, and Brewers that get into the playoffs. I
4: think I'm going to say out. I, I just not bought it in on Milwaukee. Like, I know they s- have split the season series so far with the Cardinals. I'm just not bought in on that off- offense. And their pitching's had a little bit of a struggle. And even though they have an easy schedule, I mean, listen to this what they've done in September. Lost three of four at Arizona, lost two of three in Colorado. Uh, they ended up taking two of three against Cincinnati. They were able to somehow take two of three against the Yankees at home. But they've struggled against even below 500 teams since the All Star yeah. break, ever since the hater trade, really. So. I'm not sure that they're able to take advantage of the schedule like we think they are. And I think Philly's better than—I think Philly's better and good enough to at least survive that grind of a they schedule. Got, I think they
0: got better pitching. That I think too. they're just a better team. I'm totally with you guys. I think like they got if you're better asking offense, me which one of those two too. teams is better, I would go Philly, 100 times out of 100. Which one will make the playoffs, though? It might go the, the Brewers' way, and and I think that would be great for them. And you said they wrap up with Cardinals. Houston? Yep. Yeah. The Phillies do. And then part of that, too, is Houston's probably
4: going to be resting guys down the stretch. I mean, they've clinched everything I think they need to. They'll be skipping guys' are, starts.
0: They're going to end up with one of the buys, though, right? Yeah. The So the Astros might be playing most of their guys just because then you don't want that full week off. It's only the three days right now with the Wild Card Series being off for them. If you rest them down the stretch— Now you are getting into that rust versus rests type of an argument that we've had before, Tanner. Coming up in 15 minutes, we're diving into the junk drawer. Jeremy Rutherford updates us on all things blues heading into training camp at 1 o'clock. But next, Tanner will give you an update on how his punishment went on Friday. Spoiler alert, not well. But for one of us, somehow the weekend picks went every bit as uh, well as Tanner's punishment did. We'll talk about that next year on 101 ESPN.
2: We're right back to the BK and Ferrario podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. We're one week
0: into our football pick'em and Tanner has officially paid off his first punishment. This week, we will have week number two's punishment announced. We'll get to that coming up here in just a little bit. Jeremy Rutherford at one o'clock. But Tanner, we have to first relive. This is the end of his punishment. If you want to see the full video, we took live video of it over on the Facebook page. You can check it out from Friday. Just search back down to that. 101 ESPN is the Facebook page that you find it at. Here's what the end of that sounded like.
3: I wish you would have vomited, but hey, later is
0: still cool. This one might
4: do
0: it. I didn't expect five. <laughs> oh damn it, that was my shoe. What just happened, buddy? It was my shoe, man. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. Oh. <laughs> Alright. That's gonna be the way we end it. So Tanner oh, God. For anybody that missed it, your punishment was the <laughs> beer mile, which included drinking a beer, running a quarter mile, drinking another beer, hill. and continuing it wasn't up a hill felt like you whiner continuing that until you finish one full mile. How would you say the punishment went for you, buddy?
4: Oh guys, it sucked. (laughs) I'll just be completely honest with you. It sucked. It was like in the mid eighties out on when we ran this on Friday, I'm not much of a runner. It was
3: 86 by the way.
4: Yeah. And then we, then we go out there and you drink the beer and like after the first one, I knew it was going to be rough because like I could tell it was already sitting kind of heavy. By the time I got done with the third one and chugged that my stomach, I felt like I needed to throw up. And, And then by the time we got done with it, I felt a little bit, but I didn't feel better. But I felt like okay, I'm going to keep it in. And then there was the celebratory fifth one, and it just sent everything off the rails. What do you
3: think was the biggest mistake you made? Because I can tell you what I think the biggest mistake you made was. One of them was obviously I know what, taking Alabama. I know,
4: I know what you're going to say. Yeah, Alabama was a huge mistake taken. I think the other one was you know not running for like three weeks before we decided to do pickup. See, I, th- I I think I don't he, think he made mistakes. I think, think I think he did. This. I think if you
3: wouldn't have laid down at the end of it, I think you wouldn't have vomited. Maybe know. later on you would have vomited, but I think you laid down it and it's like pouring out, all though. the water back up, and then you stand up and it goes back down. It's like okay, you've like when I feed my baby, and you go back and forth, you lift her up, you put her down, she gonna vomit. When you laid down and got back up, I'm like, oh god, well, I think Tanner's I have going. better
4: control of my stomach than your baby. I I don't know if you do because well, yours
3: was projectile, buddy. I'm not so
4: sure
0: I about that after I, I, was, I
4: was glad to get that out of the system. I probably would have had to purge it if I didn't.
0: So Tanner is 0-1 in our pick em so far. Let's find out how he did on his picks from this week.
4: I believe the Colts are built better. Give me the Colts, minus four. They fake the pitch, large to run or throw. can't believe I'm doing this, but I think I'm going to go with another road favorite. tb 12 is going to end this streak against the
2: Saints. That's it again. Just firing out. It's picked off again. Mike Edwards has it. Edwards looking for the end zone. One man to beat. And Edwards is going to go for the touchdown. Yeah. I'm
4: going Lions minus one and a half at home against the Command.
2: Goff to the end zone.
0: Touchdown. Yeah. A strong 2 and one showing yeah. for T-Bone. Two weeks in a row Just where like he went 2 and week. one uh, Last week, it was not enough to be able to avoid the punishment. Let's, Let's this find week out it if it plenty. was plenty this week. <laughs> Here are Alex's picks from Friday. I'm taking uh, Miami plus
3: six. Oh, I like that one. Against like Texas that one A&M. And that. Here's the ball game. Idiots.
2: And it's incomplete.
3: And the Aggies are going to survive. Mm. Taking the Cardinals plus five and a half Whoa, against the Raiders. Wow!
4: Wow! I can already tell you're losing. Seven
2: yards awesome. out for the two points and the tie. Now I know why you went two and one and lost last week. To the end zone, diving, and the catch is made. away, <laughs> oh comes Again, Uh-oh. picked up That's by the a... Cardinals. This is Byron Murphy to the end zone That's for game. the touchdown and the win.
3: I'm taking BYU plus three and a half. End zone
2: incomplete, and that'll do it. The Oregon the Ducks the game. once again.
3: Thanks a lot, BYU. You made my Saturday night miserable.
4: That was why you a- got a bad relationship. Yeah, was a, no. three
0: and a half point line. Yeah,
3: yeah, no, Ooh. yeah. BYU took care of me in the first one. I remember, I swore to the Lord in that one. And I thought, oh, that's going down. Didn't work for, so well for me here. One, one and two, two yeah. for
0: our guy Ferrari. Kyler, man, Kyler, he gave me faith because I thought I wasn't going to cover there. And a big spread that you were not able to cover there as well. You had them by three and a half. They lost by eight or 21. Yeah, that was ridiculous. Miami was awful. Let's find out if I did any better. I am going to go ahead and take the Spartans to win on the road and to certainly cover the three and a half point spread in Washington.
2: Tucks it under into the end zone. Touchdown, he would have been better Pettis. taking on the zoo. Mm,
0: yeah. I'm taking the Ravens. I'm going to take the Ravens minus the three and a half well, points at home. Well, Thank you, Against the Dolphins. I don't think well, the Dolphins well, are very good. He's he's good. Say loss he's in there? Here
2: he goes. His sprint being chased by Howard. Looking behind. You can kiss him goodbye. Oh, he's, right Go he's got him. He's got him. Tyrese just shoved that one right in you. Blocked by Armstead. He's got him. Burkhart And the Dolphins have come back To the end zone Caught for the touchdown Caught for the touchdown What Miami has taken the lead Zeroes on the clock The Dolphins have pulled off the improbable And won down by three touchdowns And they come back to win I think Auburn
0: stinks <laughs> Who needs, t- like who stink, needs the wideouts stink, Stinks, stunk. stonk They are not good But I don't know if Penn State's good either I'm going to take Auburn plus three at home. Well,
2: now that feels risky. (laughs) Here comes Singleton. You might be gone. Go Singleton. There goes Singleton. I'm even. I'm leaving. Touchdown. Even leaving.
3: BK.
0: What the hell, man? What the hell? So, Tanner, two and one this week. Good performance by you, man. Thank you. Alex, one and two this week. Not a great performance by you, buddy. We got to be better. Better than yours.
3: Let it be known that if I went 0-3, BK still would have lost. Was the Ravens a BKO? Yes. Very. I told you, you heard me on that cut. Loss, loss, They loss. were up 35-14. to 14. Don't
0: ever bet against Tua. They went into the fourth quarter up by three touchdowns, and they not only did not cover the spread, they lost outright in regulation. That's impossible. That never happens.
3: Yeah, you're right. It's impossible. Who could have seen that coming? <sighs> Play that game, T-Bone, where I said loss,
0: loss, loss. So I'm your loser this week. Yes, you are. And most weeks, frankly, on this show.
3: Everyone. Um, Not great.
0: Thanks, Mo. Here are the uh, potential punishments that you all be will be able to vote for. Where, are they, where can they vote for these, Alex? At
3: 101ESPN.com and on the 101ESPN app.
0: And on the 101ESPN Twitter as well. At 101ESPN. Yeah, yeah, that's what I meant.
3: What did you say? I said 101ESPN.com.
0: That's the app, but yes, on Twitter also. It's all good. Here are the three options that I will have to endure. Option number one standing on the corner of Olive and 270 with a sign that says, I suck at picks. By the way,
4: I know what the costume should be.
0: In a costume? A well, it's a mutual. It's mutually agreed upon.
4: I know it should be a cheetah because Tyreek's gone.
0: You guys can determine. I think you should. I think you should have to wear a Tyreek kilt jersey. I have to push a sled the full length of the football field as Terry Davis yells jersey. at me. We still haven't gotten that approved. Or I get <laughs> shot with a paintball gun. Yeah. Oh. Those, those are I be, your three options. Can I be honest? Yep. All of these are wonderful.
3: <laughs> I don't know which one I want to vote for. I think I might start. Can I be of, totally
0: honest? No. All I, of these are awful. I want no part of I, any of I these. I think I might start a ton of burner Twitter accounts so I can just repeatedly Dude, vote.
4: I should have done that so I could have avoided the beer
0: mile. Last <laughs> so week. somebody asked me this the other day. They were like, Do you guys enjoy winning the Pick'em Challenge? I said, No, you just dread losing. Yeah. Like, I don't make any picks with the thought that this is going to be oh. a winner. It's all, is this going to lose?
3: I've learned I'm, I'm not betting college football. Because I'm awful at it. Like, yeah. NFL, at least feel like I have a good read on most games. I have
4: nothing on college football. I said this to BK, I think, in the office before the show today. I, of all the college football games we had last week, the only one that I would have gone differently was the Penn State game. Otherwise, I would have followed all you guys, in which you lost most of all of them, actually. <laughs> Thanks,
0: man. I appreciate you doing so I'm
3: glad that. I actually avoided right. them. The tweet is up officially. So oh, I gotta go head over it. to 101ESPN on Twitter and vote on BK's punishment. And then a little bit later on, once the show wraps, we'll put the... Uh, What are you rooting for?
4: I want to shoot you with a paintball gun,
3: gun. See, I actually think I want him to stand on Olive two seventy. I, w- I really want him in a costume on Oliven and... the one that I really don't want him to do see, I just want him is to the push the sle- the push the football sled because he's done that before. He yeah, played that's football. Fair. That's not much of a I, punishment see, for him. See, I kinda him. want him to do that, still that sucks.
4: one. I still want him to do that one because I don't want to do it. So, <laughs> so I want that one to, to disappear. And, so there's and already- part of the reason I want to shoot him with the paintball gun is because I think he enjoyed my pain too much on the beer run, and I want to just return oh, the favour. Was- yeah, but like it was fantastic.
3: He can stand on Oliven two seventy. We can go park at Lion's Choice yeah. and just yell at but him he, that entire the time. The whole time
4: I'm doing the beer and he's like right next to me. Oh, it's a
3: beautiful day. It's already got eight oh, votes, and standing on Olive and 270 is 50% of yeah, them. That checks out. That uh, honestly, though, if you get shot with the paint... So we need to do this. How many shots? It's two, right? Yeah, one, one for each of us. Oh. One for each of us. We said that, we said that last <laughs> yeah. week. No, yeah, we one said, for each cheek? Yeah. yeah. Wow, well, yeah. If you think we've got good aim, <laughs>
4: yeah,
3: you might get two <laughs> right can into I the... Get my calf? You <laughs> might get two right into the Death Star in the
4: middle, buddy. All right, I voted for shot with the paintball. I'm really, I'm really,
3: (laughs) I'm really worried. Pushing the football sled gets the win, and that would frustrate me because I don't think that should be your punishment.
0: I don't think any of these should be my punishment. I think all these should be punishment. I think Lamar Jackson should be punished for my loss. This is on him, not on me. No, it's on you. you and took it's him. on the Raiders, not holding down. The Raiders! All-time <laughs> yes. comebacks go against me this weekend. Yeah, so people are
3: asking, how many times are you going to get shot? You will get shot twice by the paintball gun. And by the way, my brother-in-law, who that. I'm going to borrow the paintball gun from, last week, <laughs> I saw him on Sunday at a family reunion, yeah. and I said, hey, I need to borrow your paintball gun. he goes, oh, good. I just got a new piece to it that makes it bigger and more painful. Yeah!
0: Awesome. That's so, what I wanted to hear. Because the Palagon wasn't enough.
3: But I'm, <laughs> I'm sure. really...
0: We needed to rise but I'm, up the rings.
3: But I'm really hoping that 270 and Olive gets picked here. So man, if you want to vote great. for
0: our punishment, you can do so. Again, the 101 like 33, ESPN 33, 33 app. 33 right now. You can do so on Twitter as well. I'm going to get my vote in right now because I have the ability to do that. At 101 ESPN on Twitter. I'm sure the guys have retweeted that as well on their accounts, so I'll keep that private. (laughs) Coming up in 15 minutes, Jeremy Rutherford, the Blues Insider for The Athletic, joins the show. But next, let's dive into the junk drawer here on 101 ESPN.
2: We're right back to the PK and Ferrario Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Let's open it up. The junk drawer with BK and Ferrario.
1: Brought to you by Together Credit Union. Pay yourself with every purchase. Open an Achieve It checking account today.
0: I just saw this come across. Somebody just tweeted this out. I I can't believe it. It It's. This is the first time, according to Elias, in NFL history that multiple teams overcame a 20 point halftime deficit on the same day. Yeah. We've cool. been playing this All damn right. game for more than 50 years. Only one year. Every every Sunday, every single Sunday, there are NFL games. I don't know the the math right now. I'm gonna be totally honest with you guys, but that's more. That's like 750 Sundays where we've been playing NFL football. Hey T
3: Bone, remember when I told you like, hey, don't whine about the loss, just take it. In it for the
0: first time in NFL like history. Balbina this this is under too. protest. No, this this week's results are under protest. <laughs> nah, nah. This is, sorry, they can't be under protest. You sucked. This is the first time in NFL history that multiple teams overcame a twenty point halftime deficit. What are the odds that both of those would go against? Did Nate.
4: you did you uh, did you say something to Kara after you found out you lost? Did you like Turner and go? I'm, I'm defeated.
3: <laughs> yeah. My dad just texted me and he said, BK sounds defeated. He absolutely does. Also, what
0: are, what are the odds that one of those would go in your favor to help you win and the other one would go against me see, to help me lose?
3: But see, I didn't even need Arizona to cover. I just didn't. I needed them to not lose by more than 27. And they
0: were going to. <laughs> that's they At halftime day, 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 day they were going to. But again, that's Kyler. Kyler Eight. sucks one and half. If they didn't cover and my team didn't collapse in the Ravens, that's true, I would have been lost. Yeah. But guess <laughs> what? <laughs> this was this is going my way. At halftime,
3: I'm feeling great. But what does Jamie Rivers always say? If my aunt had <sighs> exactly. By All the right. way, we got a question on on our uh, on our poll right now. Which, by the way, we got over 150 votes, and uh, paintball's looking like the slight favorite right yeah, now, buddy. That's what I'm talking Someone about. Someone asked if he is standing on uh, Olive and 270. Can we drive by and throw stuff at him? Absolutely. We endorse everything that. <laughs> that can like you know is good for the environment Throwing like
0: we kind of <laughs> like banana peels later. and
3: apple cores you can throw those because those are good for the environment so throw those at oh. bk t-bone and i will be uh, doing the same
4: yeah, i'm gonna I, donate I, eggs to the equation it, oh yeah
0: hard-boiled too I can't say Could that you have to get hit with a hard-boiled egg i can't. that'd be great i don't agree with anything that was just stated on the air all right Um, Let's dive into the junk drawer. Alex, what do you have for us today? So uh, last week, you guys, we had the story of
3: Trey Lance at a strip club. And I know, T-Bone, you had the story of the soccer player that was picking up numbers. Well, I'm going to slide over to the elderly side on today's junk drawer, if that's all right with you, because there is a nursing home in, I believe this was Taiwan. I want to double check this one. Yeah, this was in Taiwan. It was a nursing home for veterans that... Well, they hired strippers to come to the nursing home and entertain for a while. And now this nursing home has to apologize. Why? Because apparently they have offended a ton of people. I see absolutely nothing wrong with this. Just like Trey Lance can go to a strip club and throw dollars at women who are working. Why can't those women that are working go out and support the veterans, the elderlies at a strip club or at the nursing home? They turned the nursing home
0: into a strip club. In fact, I would go the other direction. I would say that all nursing homes instead. No, like a vacation. All all nursing homes as part of the dues should include (laughs) the (laughs) salaries (laughs) for strippers once a month. In college, I, I had a recreational fee that went towards them being able to pay for, you know, all of the... Uh, student rec center yeah. and all that stuff I think when you go into When I go into an older home A senior living facility I would like there to be included In those dues The ability to pay for once a week A stripper coming in on a Friday night for example They
3: also were Maybe celebrating a, uh, a a Chinese holiday thirsty Thursdays Because the Elderlies are thirsty or, I, yeah, think, uh, I think yeah, you see you out, you them all the time where nursing homes like put them on a uh, on a bus and they take
0: them on field trips
3: to the to zoo. To like the park? So start taking them to field trips to the strip club. Yeah,
0: my sister works at a hospital down in Atlanta and she's a recreational therapist. Are and you going to give does, this advice to tell her? I think that she should include this as part of her hospital and what they're able to do. Her job is basically to make life comfortable for people that are in a tough spot in the hospital. So she'll take them out on group gatherings, right? Group outings. And she goes like deep sea fishing, or she'll take them to... So are these guys. <laughs> yeah, they have like a lake where they've got a boat and they'll go boating or stuff like that. And you know, this is the equivalent of that. You know, this is entertainment so for people. so frustrating you know? about
3: this too. Like these, these gentlemen are having a wonderful time. They're all being safe. They all have masks on, you know, because they want to make sure that nobody gets sick. They're just letting these guys have a good time.
0: Yeah, I would say actually I, I'm going the opposite direction. Not only should they not have to apologize, they should... Send out a letter to other facilities yes. saying this is how we were able to accomplish. I this.
3: just think people need to pump the brakes, on the apologies here. I and think th- I think we should allow these individuals to enjoy their lives. They're out a nursing home. They served their country, and
0: now they just want to enjoy themselves. Six five seven eight zero, oh, zero comfort service Exxon from the six one eight guys. Is your are your wives listening? I hope so. I, I hope think that, that when I, she goes I think to that came from a wife. and I just came up with a great punishment. BK should be punished doing like the Chippendale style to go somewhere and do that. I was gonna have a similar direction with this if my wife ends up in a senior living facility after i have passed you dress up and do I, hope, <laughs> I hope that she has the ability to have chippendale style strippers coming why to her wouldn't you facility? just do that i've died at this <laughs> point in time so <laughs> he you yeah. died first huh <laughs> yep go <laughs> on I'm with the, angels. Now the bko kicks in for that one last time <laughs> coming up in 15 minutes the final bko the final <laughs> countdown if you will it's the it- final countdown jeremy the is next
2: We're right back to the BK and Ferrario podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. It's time for the Rutherford Report on 101 ESPN. Anything you folks want to know about the fascinating world of pro hockey? Here we go
0: for Ariel and Tanner Hendrickson. I'm Brandon Kylie. It is officially Blues season. Blues they start training hockey. camp this week. We will be out at Centene Community Ice Center starting on Wednesday. Alex and Tanner will be out there on Thursday and where Friday. I will be in Los Angeles where the Dodgers are playing the Cardinals. I'm going out there for a wedding, but I'll be there while the Cardinals are playing the Dodgers. Another vacation, so, huh? Looking My forward to that. Right now, though, we're going out to the Brown and and Celebrity Line to be joined Maybe by his Jeremy be take all his vacation days away. He's the Blues insider for the Athletic, we always appreciate his time, Jr. How you doing today, man?
5: I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right, but I'm so bummed out. I voted uh, for your punishment, BK, and then Alex drops more intel and says there's a bigger, batter paint gun. But I had already uh, voted for the sled. So can I change my vote? How do I change my vote? Go ahead and start a
3: burner account, JR. That's what I'm going to be doing all night tonight. By the (laughs) way, the sled's not doing very well. It's only at 17.9%. Right now, it's it's a battle for first between standing on the side of the road in a costume and getting shot with that bigger, heavier, stronger paintball gun.
5: Well, well, see, here's my thing. First of all, I don't know that BK could push a sled 100 yards, but I'm more God in it God. for the uh, the Carrie Davis uh, yelling at him the entire time. Yeah, you know, we Kerry still haven't gotten that so time in... well, <laughs> sure. paid... Oh, he'll do it, right? He's oh, spent yeah. so much time in the league. He's got to have oh, the best And line you know, know how angry
3: he is, kid. Jr. at BK, for right. screwing us over on that oh, fantasy no, draft? I didn't think about Kerry, that part. Carrie <laughs> would obliterate oh, no. this man.
5: JR, uh, I want to see I, all three of them.
3: <laughs> I, I thought let's make him push a weight sled down 270 and olive while we're shooting paintball guns
5: at him. Yeah. Especially, especially guys because one of them, one of them would have been suffice, but then he starts whining about some stat, like since the history of the NHL, yeah, what else is new? you know, two teams haven't, I'm like, you know what? Give him all three. <laughs> yeah.
3: I mean, he whines. You know what I promised to do? Ladies and gentlemen, I promise not to whine when I lost. I'm just gonna take oh, the L. Okay,
0: that's okay. a lie. You think I was bad? Just wait until Alex loses. I promise to not whine once. I will accept the loss like a man and will move forward. Alex is 100 <laughs> finding a loophole. He is constantly oh, looking for every loophole that exists. He'll find a different line that we didn't use. Damn straight. His and teams. I will bring this in here. If you teased it down, though, I would have had this. Yeah, that's that's how that's gonna go. Oh, I right. was fully prepared to do that with BYU. <laughs> it was minus three, but then I like. (laughs) It's a blowout anyway, Jr. Let's uh, let's talk a little bit about this blues team as we are getting into the week of training camp. Uh, The first thing that I wanted to ask you about is Jordan Cairo coming off of the contract extension. uh, We now know he's going to be here for the next eight years, barring something unforeseen. What are you expecting out of him this year? That's going to be different than what we saw in previous seasons.
5: Yeah, became nine with that current year left on his deal, plus that eight-year uh, extension. So it's, it's going to be a long time for Jordan Kyrou and Robert Thomas. You know, I think that uh, we saw them grow and mature a little bit last year uh, on the ice. You obviously saw the development in their game. They were both able to put up, you know, 70-plus points. Robert Thomas became more of a goal scorer than we've seen in the past. And, and Jordan Kyrou, bit of up and down here and there, but for the most part, an outstanding season. So Doug Armstrong said, you guys do your job, I'll take care of my job, which is paying them, and they did their job. So what will we see from them this year? Well, that money's not going to kick in until next season, but they know it's on the way. In the meantime, they've got to just completely uh, be as professional as they can in their off-ice training, which they've been doing for the past couple years, uh, and, and just continue to develop. You know I thought I did a story last week kind of behind the scenes on the negotiations with these two guys and their agents and Doug Armstrong, but one of the lines that sticks out the most, Uh, came from the owner Tom Stillman last line of the story he says look these guys have to know the responsibility that comes with the big deals that they sign so Jordan Cairo Robert Thomas they really showed it last year BK you're hoping that you can see that continued production uh, but more importantly you know this game it's all about being professional on and off the ice and that's what they need to focus on.
3: JR, uh, speaking of being professional with this training camp coming up, you got a lot of guys who are going to be battling for ice time, spots in the NHL roster, and not going back to juniors. You know, you had your top 10 going into training camp last week, which was a great piece on the athletic. But I am curious, where do you see some of those internal competitions uh, for the Blues throughout training camp?
5: Well, I think the two biggest ones are going to be that fourth line. And you're going to have to, you know, find out once they show the lines to us the first couple days of camp. And, you know, the the players, uh, the A-team will be split up, I'm sure, into the two groups. So you might not be able to see exactly what the lines will look like on opening night. But you could get a pretty good handle on it. And depending on who's on that third line, Alex, uh, you know, it's going to make for a competition on that fourth line. You're looking at Noel Achari, you know, Logan Brown, if he's not on that third line. Uh, You got Clem Costin. You got Josh Label they brought in. You got Nathan Walker. Also you got Martin Frick and they got the, which that's the guy you called, right? Ferrario five Jr. Happen. He's going <laughs> to get a <laughs> t-shirt. <five. laughs> and
0: We're then how about a, obligated to mention that every time we say his name, he, technically he should I be know. also.
5: That's why I tried to say it before he got it out. But, uh, <laughs> but then, then you got a Tyler Pitlick and Hey, you know, I'm not saying he's going to be uh, on the roster, uh, but uh, we didn't know that James Neal would be last year, but he gets signed and, and joined the team at least for a little while before he went down to Springfield for the end of the season. So to me, you know, that's one. And then obviously the, the other big one is the end of that defense. What's that look like? You know, it looks like you'll have uh, Letty, Pareko, Krug, Falk, you know, some combination of those two in your top four. Uh, but then after that, Scandella, Mikula, Perinovich, Bortuzzo. The other day, guys, Doug Armstrong was asked if it was a possibility to carry – eight defensemen at the start of the season. And he said, yes, I will throw this asterisk in there. I think he says, yes, everything is a possibility, regardless of what you ask him prior to training camp. He says, everything's a possibility. So we'll see what happens there.
0: Follow up on that, JR. Under what scenario is going into the season, um, are, are we going to see Perunovic on this roster versus off of it? And under what scenario is Jake Neighbors going to be on this roster versus down in the minors as well?
5: Yeah, let's hit Perinovich first. I think you'll see him on the roster, and obviously we'll have to see what he does in camp here. But uh, we talked to, to Army about him a couple days ago, and he said he didn't expect him to be called up as soon as he was last year. But for a couple reasons, they had no choice. First of all, he put up about you know 20 points in the first handful of games with Springfield. But if you go back to that time, that's when Scandella was really struggling. You know, Mikola still young. They just didn't have many options, and they brought Prinovich up there, and he played uh, pretty well before that event. That uh, injury eventually got him. I think it was around January. So, you know, I think they want Pernovich uh, here. I don't think he's got anything else to prove at the AHL level, uh, but then it becomes a roster size cap situation with Kerry and uh, 8D if they're also going to have Mikola and Scandela here. So we'll see what happens with that. And then Neighbors uh, didn't do much in terms of points at the Traverse City tournament. You know, he, he's a guy who maybe expect to go put up some, some points in that NHL prospect tournament, uh, but did a lot of little things right. And Doug Armstrong did say that the other day. We said, hey... Neighbors making the roster, he said, Look, it's all about the little things. When you're getting off the ice or you're putting your teammate in a good position, you know, when, when you, you get off the ice. And those are small things that they're going to look for in Jake Neighbors. Uh, you know, if you had to guess, I think he's got a pretty good shot of making this roster. Uh, but uh, Army did say, We're not looking at him in our group of, uh, you know, in terms of looking at the, the fourth line. If he needs to be in that group of nine or ten to make this roster, otherwise, you know, we'd want him playing more. And, and uh, that would probably be in Springfield, which he can go to the American Hockey League this year. So we'll see how that unfolds. JR, speaking
3: of Springfield, and I know you just talked to Scott Perunovich there, but the one thing I was curious about is, is there a chance that we see Perunovich start the year in the AHL and maybe have to spend more time in the AHL this season? Because pending some type of trade, I just don't know how you're going to carry eight defensemen and possibly have two of those guys sitting every night, unless they're going to go the 11-7 route a lot.
5: Yeah, especially with the cap, you know, you're right up against the cap. So, you know, is there a possibility he could play in the American Hockey League? Sure. You know, if they want him playing and, you know, getting that five on five ice time and you got a couple of guys sitting up here, there certainly is. I just think from a competitive standpoint, you know, does he need to go down there and get more seasoning? Perhaps because he hasn't played a lot of games in the past couple of years because of these injuries, even when he came up at the end of last year for the playoffs, you remember, it was basically as a power play specialist, which he was terrific at, but you know, you played seven defensemen and he wasn't getting a lot of five on five ice time. So, you know, anything's a possibility. That's why they need to play out this couple week uh, training camp and he'll get in some games. Uh, But I just think that Scott Prinovich has to get into NHL games and play him and continue to be the player that you think he could be, because if there's not room for him here, guys, then he could be an asset and, yeah, you can build up an asset in the American Hockey League if he's putting up a ton of points. People see it, but he's got to play in NHL games.
0: Final question for you, JR. We'll get you out of here on this one. Is the expectation at this point for you that Ryan O'Reilly will play out the season on an expiring contract?
5: Yeah, I'm going to dig into that a little bit uh, here here soon with Ryan O'Reilly. But certainly you look at the cap situation after the Jordan Kyrou contract, after the Robert Thomas contract, and it's going to be difficult. You're looking at – what sixteen million? You only have thirteen players under contract, and so if you don't get that bump in the salary cap next year, uh, you know, can you afford it? I think you can. I think O'Reilly would work with the team. I think they could find some middle ground. I don't think you can sign an O'Reilly. You know, Anna Tarasenko. If there's anybody out there thinking that you know is all this possible, uh, yeah. And, and you know, I just bring up the name because he's still here, right? Uh, but I think there's situations where uh, Doug Armstrong sees the importance of the player. Even if Ryan O'Reilly isn't your top-line center towards the end of that deal, Robert Thomas overtakes him. He's still valuable to this team. Is there something, you know, three, four years, four, five million dollars, something in that range, I think they could squeeze it in. But it is going to depend on what happens with this cap.
0: Quick update on the poll results thus far. 43% of the votes coming in on me having to stand on all of in 270, 37%. Oh, God, <laughs> getting shot with a paintball gun. And there are some latecomers that are voting on pushing the football sled in the same line with jeremy rutherford i think
3: they also probably started to figure out the like carrie's pissed at bk because of that uh, 30 second stuff so uh that might that might be a dark horse on this
0: the 30 second stuff that he's referring yeah. to is the fantasy football draft what other JR, 30 second problem I do appreciate you have the time as always man thanks for hopping on with us today we'll talk with you again yeah, out at uh, centine I'm-
5: Listening to you guys online. you listen to the rest of the show. So keep updating that. I'm working on a Zach Golduke story for uh, tomorrow. So keep me busy oh, while I'm right here. Awesome. We read that
0: over at the athletic. Always appreciate JR joining us. You can find him on Twitter at JP Rothford coming up in about 15 minutes. The Cardinals won a game this weekend with one of the more absurd final plays that I've ever seen to finish a game. I thought in the moment that it was illegal. I think a lot of people felt that way. I still think it should be illegal. We'll talk about that coming up in 15 minutes. But next, which of these struggling AFC contenders is most likely to get it turned around sooner rather than later? We'll tell you next year on 101 ESPN.
2: We're right back to the PK and Ferrario podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.
0: That's Tanner Hendrickson and I'm Brandon Kiley. If you've missed anything from today's show, be sure to check it out on the podcast page. It's all presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Alex, there are four teams in the AFC that were expected to be contenders coming into the season that look like anything but thus far. The Cincinnati Bengals are 0-2. They have a point differential on the season of minus six. Their offensive line looks bad. Joe Burrow doesn't look like the same guy that we saw in the playoffs. The Indianapolis Colts, are 0 and one and boy, does that offense look broken right now. And then you look over in the AFC West, which we thought was going to be the best division in football. The Broncos look broken, man. I can't explain what's going on with that offense. And Nathaniel Hackett looks like a coach that is ripe for firing after the season. I don't know if he's up for that job. And then you look at the Raiders, they collapse against the Cardinals, who I thought looked like the worst team in the NFL in Week 1. Out of those four teams, Bengals, Broncos, Raiders, and Colts, which one do you think is most likely to get things figured out?
3: I would say the Raiders because they've been in both of their games. I mean, it's just been late collapses on the second one. And I don't even know if it was a late collapse in their first game. It was just a matter of they just Devonte Adams was the hero and that was it. So I would put the Raiders on this list with Josh McDaniels as the head coach and his playmaking ability and the weapons that they have. They're the team that I think would be most likely to have a above 500 winning record and be a playoff team. I'd have Cincinnati as number two. And the one that I don't think will be able to get this figured out are the Broncos. I, I, Nathaniel Hackett, just for well pun intended on this one, he looks like a hack as a head coach right now. I mean, he does, He looks like he does not know what he's doing. And you have a really talented quarterback.
4: I, I'm with you on Denver. I, I, I'm concerned about Denver turning around. The team that I think will turn it around is Cincinnati. I put them at number one just because they're basically in the same spot they were in last year where they were having trouble protecting the quarterback. Now, they have a more, I still think, a more improved offensive line, even though it hasn't really shown that in the first two weeks of the season, but they went out and they spent money on it. I think over time they're going to be able to make these corrections. Zach Taylor, I'm not saying he's a great coach, but he at least somewhat figured it out last year to where they could be at least successful. So I think they're going to be the team that is most likely to figure out. And then if you want to look at the team to me that's not going to figure it out, I'm actually going with the Raiders. I, I like. I think the Broncos are right there with them. I'm not sure the Raiders are going to figure it out. I that game yesterday was concerning to see you blow that kind of a lead to the Arizona
0: Cardinals. That and, looks like a Chargers game.
4: Yeah. I was gonna say they hey. look just like the Chargers yeah. where they get a big lead, they start out on top, and then they just can't figure a way to close it out. So and I I think they're still the four I think they're the worst team in the AFC West. And that's not saying like they're a bad team. I mean, that's a really tough division. I think they're a good team. But if you're gonna have those kind of issues and you can't close out the Arizona Cardinals, who we can all agree maybe the worst team in the NFC West right up there with Seattle. Like They're just missing talent right now because of injuries and suspensions, and even then the roster's not that great. And you blow that big lead against them, I don't know. I'm not i am not sore on them. At least with Denver you have a quarterback that I know is good. You've got a coach who good. doesn't know what the hell he's doing. Yeah, but I think Russ can kind of fill in the holes that Hackett's creating.
0: If I set a prop bet right now of will one of these four teams make the playoffs, yes or no? Which side of that would you take? Will one of the Broncos, Bengals, Raiders, or Colts make the playoffs this season? Yes or no?
3: I would say yes because of how bad the Colts division is. And I think the Cincinnati Bengals can compete in that division, which I say that. and I'm not really too sure, but I would say yes.
4: I'd say I think I'd say yes, too. And the big driver for me would be Indy just because, like we were saying earlier, like they may be like an eight or win, eight or nine win team and they could still win their division. Like that's how bad the AFC South is. I still think Cincinnati is a team that I don't think they win their division. I I think they can. They'll be second. They'll be second. I think they can capture yeah. a wild card spot. Still. I think
3: Pittsburgh, I think Cleveland's going to be bad after what took place. I think the Jets might have just broken them. And uh, I, I Steelers are good to be 500, like you always say, BK with
0: Mike Tomlin as the head yep. coach. But I think Cincinnati will be better than 0-2. My seven teams right now that I would pick to make the playoffs would be the Chiefs, the Chargers, whoever makes it out of the AFC South, the Ravens and the Browns out of the AFC North, actually not because I think the Browns are great, but I think they're going to be good enough to be able to be right around 500 when Deshaun Watson gets back and Watson for all of the off field issues, frustrations, and I get all of them and they're all fair criticism are totally justified. He's an unbelievable football player. So when he returns, that's going to be a pretty darn good team that can make a playoff push. And then in the East, I've got the Dolphins and the Bills. It doesn't leave a whole lot of room for error when it comes to the Broncos, the Raiders and the Bengals. It means the Colts are the one team that I guess I could see maybe making the playoffs at this point in time. And I just have zero confidence in them getting this thing turned around. I don't want to be too reactionary because it's only two weeks of football, but... I think I would probably lean towards no, none of these teams making the playoffs. It's just hard for me to see that, though, when I trust three of the quarterbacks. Like, I think Russell Wilson eventually gets things righted, but right now it looks so bad that I I don't know. I think Derek Carr is much better than what we've seen from him so far this year. And, I mean, Joe Burrow's awesome. It's just been a weird layout to start the season I just think they're in a really tough division. If Burrow and the Bengals were in the AFC South, if you swapped them in the Colts, that would be the team that I have confidence in get going down the stretch to A, figure it out and B, make the playoffs. But because they're in the AFC North, which is going to be super competitive this season, I'm just not so sure that I have the confidence in them. I did want to focus in on the Broncos for a minute because they were the team that got all of the hype in the offseason for good reason. They trade for Russell Wilson. They get a new coach. They should be headed on the right trajectory. Everybody was excited about it, right? Russell Wilson has attempted 18 passes so far in the first two games of the season in the red zone. He has completed zero of those for a touchdown. Zero. He also has one carry this year for two yards. He's not running, and he has not been efficient in the red zone. Now, there should be some regression there. Eventually, that should be better. But if you've seen any of the people that break down the tape, they've been posting some of these videos on Twitter. Dude, he missed like four or five different receivers that were wide open across the middle of the field yesterday.
4: I was going to say, watching that game yesterday, as much as people want to say that's on Nathaniel Hackett, I thought Wilson didn't look like the guy you saw in Seattle back a couple years ago. Like, something seems off with Russell yeah. and Maybe part of that is still working on the communication with the wide receivers, but some of those were just Misplaced balls to where he's not getting him in the spots that you're used to seeing. Russ, when, when they were saying to Seattle, yeah, let Russ cook us because he was throwing in tight windows, making all those plays. Now I see it is a partly on Nathaniel Hackett. I agree. Mm-hmm. There's no questioning that, but he just does not look like the top what would you say top 10 quarterback that you thought he was going to be like right now he's like on the verge of sitting outside
0: the top 10 well and i don't know what the update was but losing jerry judy doesn't help yeah i haven't seen any update today on it but yeah and they're already without another one of their wide receivers patrick's out for the season that's the expectation you got
3: one wide receiver right now the running game didn't look that great for denver i mean the play calling is a problem for me as much as russell wilson you do look at him and i'm with you guys he didn't look great but the play, there is zero creativity with Nathaniel Hackett.
0: They also just don't look like a well coached team. I mean, we all remember the end of game situation in week one, but right now the Broncos offense leads the NFL in false starts. They have six of them so far this season and delay of game penalties. Four of them so far early in the season. Guys, yeah. it got so bad on Sunday that the Broncos fans in the stadium. We're counting down the play clock to make sure that the offense (laughs) did not commit a delay of game penalty. It was almost as if you were in your home uh, arena for basketball. And like, as the game clock is ticking down, people are counting down five, four, three. They Hackett were doing get that, confused but for, on the road. Yeah, I was going to say, Hackett can't contain that. But they were doing that for every play because it was such an abysmal uh, start to the season for the offense of just getting the plays off. Well, it was.
3: And Russ's oof. tight end. I mean, Albert O, he looks like he's threading the struggle bus this this season and yeah. zero catches. Yesterday. Russell loves his tight end.
0: And it's like, if you don't have one that you're throwing to or one that you can trust, what are you going to be able to accomplish? Did you see yesterday the, um, the situation in the game where... Nathaniel Mm -hmm. Hackett went for it on third and inches with a tight end rushing attempt. Then they had a long field goal attempt, and then they punted because of a, I think it was a penalty. And wasn't that rushing
3: attempt? Or no, that was the Chicago game. One of the rushing attempts was like from the shotgun. Like, what are we doing So this
0: was a, they they motioned the fullback from the slot into the backfield lined up on an offset eye. The fullback ends up going with what appeared to be basically an end around a jet sweep type of thing, again, with your fullback. And then they took that fullback and ran it around that it didn't work. Negative yardage. There was a penalty on the kick, and then they decided to go ahead and punt after that. That's the Broncos season. That actually uh, plays
3: itself out with what I expect from Nathaniel Hackett.
0: Coming up in 15 minutes, we'll have the BK and Ferrario Rewind. But next, there was a play this weekend that had just about everybody watching confused, unless you really know the nitty-gritty of the playbook. Should this be legal? We'll talk about it next year on 101 ESPN.
2: We're right back to the BK and Ferrario podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. goldie pulls it a play at the plate they hit the runner and the game is over they hit kisner romine is arguing that he was out of the baseline but the cardinals win it in 11.
0: that was one of the more strange plays that you'll see the cardinals only win walk-offs in weird fashion they, by the way, audio courtesy of Bally Sports Midwest, Danny Mack on the call. We'll talk to him tomorrow here on 101 ESPN on BK and Ferrario. That's Alex. He's Tanner. I'm BK. So the Cardinals are going into the bottom of the 11th inning. It is a scoreless game. Nobody has found a way to scratch across a runner. You have Brendan Donovan walk. Edmund reaches on an infield single to the catcher. The bases are loaded and Paul Goldschmidt comes up to the plate. Alex, Andrew Kisner's on third base. He hits it to the third baseman and Andrew Kisner is looking back to see how he fields it and then drifts towards the mound. So he's on the infield grass at this point in time as he's running home. Just to describe it, if you didn't see the play, if you missed it over the weekend, he's pretty clearly intentionally getting in the lane that would be used by the defender to throw the ball home to the catcher. And as a result of that, he gets the intended consequence. It hits Andrew Kisner on the way home. Cardinals walk it off. They win. Game over by the rule book, It is a perfectly legal play. Now, I'll be honest, didn't realize that was the rule. I'll be totally upfront and honest with all you guys. I thought it was an illegal play as it happened. People went out on Twitter, explained it. Makes perfect sense. I get it. That is something that the Cardinals work on regularly is to do exactly what Andrew Kisner did. He executed it perfectly, apparently boy should that be a legal play? Because I think that's really the question. It was. Everything he did was legal by the letter of the law, and he executed what the Cardinals want him to do in that spot. Should it be legal, though, in your mind? I mean, I
3: think so. Like, that's one of those things where it's like, hey, there's not anything against this, so I'm going to do this. And technically, it's like he didn't deviate that far out of that line. Because what is, isn't it three feet? I mean, he, well, he was, was like, like 10 feet. It didn't look that. It didn't look three feet, <laughs> was, did it? was, was on the grass. When BK was
4: describing <laughs> the plane when he's on the grass, I could have said, well, by a lot. And it would help, too.
3: Yeah, I mean, I guess I'm I'm looking at it right. Yeah, oh well, yeah, that was pretty. <laughs> yeah, more than three feet. Yeah, that was grass. really more than three feet. I, I don't know. Like, I, I started a, a tweet last night because I wanted to remember it It was Jerry Weinstein that uh, tweeted it out. Who's with uh, the Colorado Rockies. And he said, this is intelligent base running. Unlike home to first base, there's no running box lane between home plate and third base. You set your own baseline. The only time you can be called is when you deviate from that line by three feet. Now, obviously that looks a little three. That's not even
0: the case. Actually, what he said is not 100% true. The only time that it is actually called that way is when there is a tag attempt. If you get out of the previously, Measured baseline that you set for yourself while you are, while somebody is attempting to tag you, that's when you could be called out of the baseline. Otherwise though, uh, according to the stuff that I have read, you could basically run like figure eights around the baseball diamond. And then yeah. as long as you are not, there's no attempts to tag you It's your base. It's your base. You path. get to determine what your base, base, you,
3: path you, is. you know what this reminds me of? And sorry to compare it to hockey, but it's just kind of like how I look at the rules. This is like the rule of like a puck can go in off of a player's skate as long as he doesn't kick it. Yeah, that's what this feels like. It's like, yeah, It looks illegal but he didn't break any rules there and I don't I mean I don't think you should so like what are you going to do when you
0: set a a base path but that's what
3: I'm saying so when you review this you're going to be like okay you can only run on the white
4: line no I I think what you do is outside of it I I think what you didn't I I feel like
3: maybe the video's not doing it justice it didn't look like he deviated that far out I mean he went from
0: fairground about six feet over to the left into the grass. I, 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 mean, I think
4: I, I think that play itself was, should should be illegal. I, I think the way you do it is so. Essentially, what you've got is you've got that third base line, uh, the foul line, and then on each side there's a little bit of dirt, a little bit of dirt, and then that's where the infield grass is and where the grass is between. Uh, the infield and the dugout. Yep. I think that essential path that you see there
2: you be should the be the baseline. <laughs> I yeah. think the third and baseman I, just needs honestly, to make I the throw. Th- I
4: think it's a. Well, it's hard to make the throw when the guy's running. I don't know, like five yards in the grass. It the other way. He couldn't. He made a diving play. And that's why, to me, that's an illegal play. Is, I would understand if it was like a chopper to the third baseman he has time to field it he's able to kind of run to the right and avoid the runner then throw it home but the fact that it's with the game on the line and he makes a diving sprawling play what Kisner essentially does is look back okay where's the angle okay now let me go like five feet to my left to where there's no throwing lane that's why to me it's illegal that's why I like the idea of just a foot has to be in that dirt which Kisner would not have done even on this play he was out by his whole body was off of that little baseline that I'm talking about that should be the baseline. Just like there's that base uh, box that we were talking about on the first base side, they need that essentially on third base. And then you could have like an imaginary one between first and second, and second and third, in that's, my opinion. That's
0: where I'm at as well. I, I think there should be something done. Now, this is such a unique play. Like it, it had to have all of these circumstances take place at once for this to even be something that we're talking about today. Somebody else brought up, I think it was the Alan Craig play in like the game three of the 2013 mm-hmm. World Series. You saw something similar uh, to this. It's very unique that – very rare that you see a situation like this arise in a game. So maybe it's not even worth putting a rule in the rule book to change it. But there's really – I've seen a few people on the text line say 65780, hey, he should have made a better throw in that spot. I, I don't think there's a throw to be had really in this scenario because of the way that Kisner ran home. So I – I, I don't know what you would have expected the third baseman to do there. I know some are saying, hey, you should have thrown it uh, to the other side of the plate. Not sure that the tag's going to be made there if the throw is to the other side of the plate. So I do think that it makes it very difficult on the defense. And it feels like just about everything at this point in time is do- being done kind of like in football. To the favor of the offense and to the dismay of the defensive team. I would like to see something in place to change that, but I don't know, man.
4: And I saw a text, too, saying, well, what about if you got a guy rounding third? And and that's kind of why I think this rule is in place. Yeah, but
3: he didn't go out there when he rounded third. He was already halfway down the line. I think it's
4: more of just establishing a base path for when there is a runner that is at – a base, and there's essentially going from A to B in a route. Basically like a force play or the runner going from where he's at third just to home. Not so much where it's two bases because, yeah, otherwise you'd never be able to get a good read coming off of the, you have to run like where it's, uh, I don't know how to what the right word is, where you're basically stationary. You have to go, all right, I'm going to go to third, stop, Turn, 90 degrees, boom, go. No, you can't have that. You still need that ability to go around the base. I think it's more of just when you start at a base and if you're heading to just one base from second to third, first to second, third to home, like in this case, you have a base path that you have to stay in, And unlike if you're getting two bases and trying to round.
3: I initially thought he was
0: out because the ball hit him.
3: I was like, ball hit him, he's yeah, out, him, right? He's out,
0: drilled <laughs> him. <laughs> Sorry, little league stuff. Somebody on the text line said Arenado found a way he by the way, Arenado had an other, another unbelievable play defensively over the weekend. That That game, was that Friday night? They get mixed up in my mind. That game was was amazing. You had 698 for Albert. You had the defensive play by Nolan Arenado, And then you had the immaculate inning to finish things with Ryan Helsley throwing the third immaculate inning in the history of the Cardinals organization. And it makes all the sense in the world that it's Bob Gibson, Jason Isringhausen, and now Ryan Helsley who have accomplished such a feat. But Nolan Arenado's play was a little different because the base runner, maybe this is just speaking to the Cardinals attention to details. The base runner didn't do what Andrew Kisner accomplished by going inside of the baseline. He stayed outside creating that path for Arenado to make the throw to home. If that runner for the car or for the Reds did what Kisner did, it, the ball probably would have hit him as well because Arenado did not have a lane. He was on his side. There was nowhere for him to go with the ball other than to the, the far side of the plate, if you will. So, yeah, the, the Reds didn't execute what the Cardinals were able to. Um, so it it was a weird play. Really weird. It was a weird weekend mm-hmm. overall. Hey, I, I God would l- bless Andrew Kisner to try and win the game. Yeah, I mean. Way to wear one for the team. It's like getting hit with the bases loaded. Take it, man. It's the old cliche saying, right? Tell me the rules and I'll play the game. Well, Andrew Kisner knew the rules. The Cardinals know the rules. They play by the rules. And they created an opportunity for themselves within that set of rules, the parameters that they were given. So credit to them for executing exactly what they were trying to do. Even though Tanner wants them to change. Yeah,
3: Tanner, Tanner hates fun baseball. So yeah,
0: we'll hit the rewind coming up next. And Kylie, time to hit the BK and Ferrario rewind. First thing to mention is that you can vote in our poll right now at 101ESPN.com, the free 101 ESPN app, or on the Twitter page at 101ESPN. What should my punishment be for going 0-3 this week in the Football Pick'em Challenge? You've got three options. You can see them all for yourself over on the Twitter account or on the app as well. Again, the 101 ESPN app. You can download it today for free. Alex, my question for you as we finish things up here today, don't call me that. (laughs) What was the biggest thing you learned about the Cardinals over the weekend? We've got an off day tomorrow. Then the Cardinals start up with their eight game road stretch in San Diego, L.A. And the Brewers finally get to watch this team against legit competition for an extended stretch for the first time in really about a month and a half. Now, what did you learn about the Cardinals against the Reds? If anything,
3: I don't know if I did learn anything because it's against the reds and the stretch has just been so mediocre for me. I mean, I think I learned that Jose Quintana really should be in consideration of our wild card rotation for how well he has pitched. And also that the Cardinals, they got a lot of figuring out to do on this road trip of who are their everyday players? Because I don't think you can go into the playoffs, not knowing who is, your, this is our permanent guy in left field and permanent center field and permanent second baseman like I think you got a little bit clearer of an idea but I, I i think I learned that they they still have some figuring out to do on the offensive side and defensive positioning side
4: I was gonna say the one thing I probably learned that was like on the good side of things was that Quintana and I don't even know if i you can say he really learned it over the weekend but in my opinion he shows continues to show that he's a guy that really deserves consideration for being in your wild card round. Rotation and even just your postseason rotation in general, if you don't want to throw them in the wild card ga- uh, series. And then the thing that I learned probably on the bad side of things is because of the injuries to Jordan Hicks, I still have to figure out who's going to be in those bullpen roles. I think one of the most encouraging things was what Matts looked like in his one yep. appearance over the weekend, and Zach Thompson looked good again. So I think those are probably going to be the two guys that compete for, or both of them take that spot that Hicks is missing out from because JoJo Romero failed on one of his opportunities over the weekend sorry jojo the other thing for me too is i said going into that series that there were five games i wanted to see nolan gorman get a start in probably at least four of the five and they only started him i think in two i think is what they ended up going with so and he struggled in both those games defensively offensively so it showed me that gorman i think that's time to consider potentially sending him down i don't know if they'll do it because there's just little time left in the in triple a season but he showed that he's not going to be a guy against right-handed pitching and that stings for the St. Louis Cardinals and Burleson kind of the same way because now it looks like Albert Pujols is going to be and I hate to say this like it's a negative but it's Albert Pujols is going to be probably the everyday DH against right-handed pitching I would not be shocked if he's in the lineup tomorrow against Clevenger
0: I think Albert's going to start like the rest of the. I think it's like five of the next six if I'm not mistaken are against left-handed pitchers for the he, Cardinals he something has like to. That. he's going to start all of those games so you might see one of the other guys against San Diego but now is the time for them to go for the wins. And it, Ollie Marmel said over the weekend, when I put together my winning lineup, Albert Pools is a part of it. So these next three games against San Diego, where you've got two lefties on the mound and then Clevenger as well, my expectation is that Albert will play all three of those games. That would be my assumption. People that argue it, who, who's who been better than him? Nobody. Like that's that's the thing. I was one of the people that was arguing it earlier in the season as Nolan Gorman was performing at a higher level that's no longer the case nolan gorman is struggling mightily right now Lars newbar is not hitting the ball very well right now alec burleson has done nothing really since being called up to the big league level i agree with tanner i think that nolan gorman should probably be sent down i know it's very late into the season you don't have a lot of runway here but what's the value right now of nolan gorman he's not a pinch hitter for you he doesn't provide you a ton defensively you have other utility infielders that you can use DeYoung young is basically right-handed version of Gorman. And right now the splits don't matter for those two guys. And DeYoung at least provides you defensive value on this team. Bring up Juan Yepes. You have to. I-, I think that's what I would do down the stretch is have Yepez as a bench bat for you who at least has the ability to provide op- opportunity for you uh, as a DH. Let's see what he looks like down the stretch because we know what Nolan Gorman looks like right now, and it's not very good. So I'm with you. That's probably the biggest thing that I learned over the weekend. And then you also kind of made mention of this. Zach Thompson just throws 99 now. This is cool. Like that That's a thing that happens. Only for one inning. I'll take it. Yeah.
3: And I mean, once a week. That's it.
0: If Zach Thompson we'll is a guy it. who can <laughs> give you that kind of velocity coming out of the back end of your bullpen, who buddy, that changes things coming from the left side. You've got Thompson now as a lefty who throws 99 with that nasty curveball that he has. And then you can bring in Steven Matz for big spots as well. All right, now we've got some options for you going into that seventh inning along with Jordan Hicks. And I'm not sure that this Jordan Hicks thing is a big deal. I wouldn't react too strongly to it. It might just be them saying, hey, we need to find out what these other guys can do. We know what Jordan Hicks is, and he'd probably benefit from 10 days off of not throwing right now. So let's get him some time off before we go into the stretch. Yeah, I like I, the optimistic side of you. you are,
4: well, when the injury said fatigue oh, and neck strain, I went, mm-hmm. <laughs> you can't have both. You can't have both.
3: I just
0: woke up and had a sore neck and they went, I know. He's done 15-15. The one that is a little more concerning is Tyler O'Neill. That wow. one actually, I believe. <laughs> yeah, that, that one I actually truly think it's happening. We'll get into that tomorrow on the show. What it means for the outfield mix. What we think this outfield's going to look like when they take the field Delizio. for the postseason. We'll get into all of that tomorrow from 11 to 2. The fast lane's coming up from 2 to 6 right here vote, on 101 vote, ESPN. Can this team get it done when the Brights are the lightest?